the it's always the right time deal. Hey, want to go to Mickey D's for lunch? Ooh, let's go now. <laughs> But it's not lunchtime yet. If we're going to McDonald's, it's always the right time. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. There's a deal for every lunch hour at McDonald's. Now's the time to get two for $3.99. Mix and match a four-piece McNuggets, a McDouble, a McChicken, or a hot and spicy McChicken. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Boop, boop. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $88 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. You choose whatever you want to rent for whatever you have going on. It is totally up to y'all. Access the thousands of styles from more than 300 brands, everything from party dresses to premium denim and one-of-a-kind vintage pieces. Newly stocked styles in a range of sizes from petite to plus sizes up to 5X plus maternity. Don't think I need to worry about that. They carry labels like For Love and Lemons, Love Shack Fancy, Lisa Says Got, Free People, Anthropology, and more. Fast free shipping and returns and professional cleaning on newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. I thought that was my house. <laughs> Every time I walk into my house, you two are doing laundry. <laughs> I mean, at least launder money. Do something useful. No laundry for you to worry about if you order from Newly. The option to buy what you love at a discount, sometimes up to 70% off. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to snuff for the season. Stock up on new dresses for every event. Say yes to all the current trends. Y2K throwbacks, sets, checker print, crochet, 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 crochet. Without feeling the fast fashion ick. Get all the fashion you need while you need it and let Newly worry about uh, where it gets stored through fall and spring because they handle it. Dream closet unlocked. Newly is designed to give you everything you need to be inspired, get creative, and explore your style or fake your death or whatever you need to do. You know, if you need a new wardrobe, check out the new trends, silhouettes, and sizes without any commitments. Free your closet of those I've only worn it once impulse purchases and the buyer's remorse by renting, renting, renting. Renting through Newly means getting to wear more, sometimes thousands of dollars worth of clothing. You get to wear more while spending way, way less. It is a win-win for your closet and your checking account. Newly's shared closet helps curb that must-buy-something-new feeling that you get when there are exciting events on your calendar while still giving you new things to wear. Newly is already a great value at $88 a month for any six styles. But right now, you can get $10 off your first month uh, of Newly when you sign up with the code Whitney 10 because I'm a perfect 10 is that why Whitney mm -hmm. 10 but mm -hmm. personality perfect 10 mm -hmm. just go to newly n-u-u-l-y dot com that's newly with two u's and enter the code Whitney 10 and sign up to get $10 off your first month that's newly dot com with two u's with promo code Whitney 10 newly subscription clothing rental change your clothes Welcome to the show. I'm just trying to put it all together. Ba, ba, ba. <laughs> and I've been such a fan of yours for so long. Um, you maybe have the only joke about the pandemic I can tolerate. <laughs> it is such a beautifully crafted bit. Just about, about the special. Yes. Yeah, just yeah. about your special about when 
the back and forth yeah. of the news of we're gonna die, we're gonna live, we can go inside, we can't. You do the most beautiful bit about it. Was that something that you developed over time or did you write it on stage or do you actually write something out? I, I watched... write everything on stage. Wow. I write everything on stage. I don't really, um, what I do is I just think for a really long time, <laughs> like for hours, hours and hours. Chappelle and I joke about this and he's the one who gave me the visual. He's like, you're like that get out poster. You're just there and then like a tear pulls out of your eye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like, oh God, it's too much thinking. And that's where I just like frame everything in my head and then I just take it on stage. And something about like the reaction of the audience inspires a line that I would have never thought about otherwise. Wow. Yeah, it's just how I write everything. And particularly that the pandemic bit, I guess you can call it, but it's really just like a government bit, a money, a uh, bit about money. About, about everything. About everything all in, in one was during the pandemic when Chappelle was doing those shows in the cornfield and I was writing the show. And it was like a really stressful time to do anything. And I was writing the show. Pandemic's happening. Civil unrest. George Floyd. Like, it's just a disaster of a situation. And thankfully, I had this relief. And I was just like, oh, I was doing all this material pre-pandemic. Like, I had a, like 90 minutes that I was touring. I was like, that's all dead. How about that? And I just go up and I just took this anxiety with me on stage. And it birthed something very special and related on such a deep level to the, with the audience. And I just kept going with it. And it was initially like a 10 to 12 minute bit of just me just frantically just going back and forth with all these things that are bouncing around our minds. And people were losing their minds. And they were feeling the anxiety with me. And I was like, this is incredible. It was so cathartic. Yeah. It, was, it was actually yeah. like... For me, I as a comedian, I kind of know what people why people see comedy. Like I, yeah. I I'm not I'm still not entirely yeah. sure, you know, whether it's to see someone that you like, whether it's to go laugh, whether it's to take someone on a date, whether it, for me it's always like, oh, you're going to basically let someone else think for you for two hours. Do you know what I mean? To right. surrender, you know, your brain to someone else and to go through this haunted house in places you would never go and think, wait, someone, you let someone else think for you. Right. And I'm like, okay, got it. Even as a comedian, I'm not entirely sure. But watching that bit was like, it was like healing in a way that was like, oh my God, like, how did he know that that's exactly what I went yeah, through? Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. it was so cathartic. And as a comedian, I have not had that experience watching another comedian. It was just like oh, such man. a thrill. It's a huge compliment. I, I, I was just so in a weird space. Not weird. We all were. But specifically for me, like writing the show, going through that, I shortly separated from my wife after they got divorced shortly after that too. So it was just like an odd time. She got sick of uh, Chappelle giving you COVID? Yeah, probably. Probably <laughs> that. And, uh, Chappelle or me? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah which one do you want? <laughs> I picked COVID. What? <laughs> we now take a break of me flirting with Mo Ammer. I'm a manic person. And I, people ask, they're like, you know, how do you have so much energy? It's like, I don't like I'm running on adrenaline and fear um, and the formaldehyde from decaf coffee. I don't know. <laughs> I have spent my entire life uh, trying to be able to sleep well. I've done every medication that has like screwed up my memory. Mm -hmm. I mean, you see what people are like, is she on drugs? Which yeah. sometimes we are on the podcast now on, during our live yeah. shows. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm like, I just think I have some brain damage and memory issues from prescription drug mm, okay. sleeping pills, which I now find 
to be no bueno. I love the movie Memento, but I don't want to live, <laughs> to live like the star of it. So thank <laughs> God. And then also, but you know that my other problem is that I think a lot of things are scams and a lot yeah. of things are just placebo effect trash. And in the CBD space, especially in the last couple of years, I'm like, let me, I'm going to jump in when you guys have figured it out. Right, this right, right. is the one that we have settled on. It is called Next Evo Naturals Triple Action CBD Sleep. It is so unbelievable and also has four times better CBD yeah. absorption. And it's not just another CBD company. Their all-natural products are backed by more scientific studies than any other CBD brand developed by experienced consumer healthcare and, and pharmaceutical way, professionals. This is the real deal. And right. that's how they got their hands on the SmartSorb technology, which improves CBD's ability to be absorbed, getting into your system in as little as 10 minutes. Emily so, loves this as I someone do. who's so self-absorbed. I love it. <laughs> Stop wondering if CBD... We're going to talk about that later. Stop wondering if CBD... No, no, we won't. I'll be asleep. Stop wondering if CBD is right for you. Try Nexivo Naturals, capsules, gummies, mints, and topical creams clinically proven to be better absorbed by your body. Get 25% off your next order of $40 or more at Nexivo.com with promo code Whitney. That's 25% off at N-E-X-T-E-V-O.com, promo code Whitney. Back to Mo. It was one of those things that was just like, it's such a unique time. And all these like really special people were just popping in. Like Letterman came through, which was like one of my favorite things ever. Because I really, like that was our dream, right? You got to get on Letterman. That's the thing. You know, after Carson, it was like, get on Letterman. Yeah. And I was supposed to do Letterman. Then he left like six months after. I ended up doing Colbert. It was fine. It was great. Obviously, Colbert is amazing. And the Salate show, he's still part of that legacy. I just really wanted to do that. So when he showed up, I just... And just like, let me know if he's there. That's it. And when he was there in the corner, I was like, I'm performing for Letterman. Mm. Like, I could give a shit about anybody else here. Like, this is for you. And I just did, like, I think it was, like, literally over 12, 12, 12 minute bit of me going back and forth of dissecting everything that's happening. And uh, just being as frantic and as crazy as possible. I was so pumped. And he just went bananas for it. He just went bananas for it. He just kept repeating my name on stage, saying all these sweet things. And the next, you know, we got on a call like about three weeks later just to talk, you know, just to have a conversation. Who are you? Like, get to know me, get to know him, like, kind of thing. It was really, really special. It was right before I left my storage unit with all my belongings. So it was yeah, kind of yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> that's how like it works. People think you're living like this super glamorous life. And you are in some ways. You definitely are. But the deeply personal stuff is just mm-hmm. so potent and Is that like, who you grew up watching? Timed. Letterman? Was Letterman like what was your first sort of like I want to do that? Um no, stand up, you mean? Yeah, for stand-up? or well, stand up, or like, because well, you know, yeah. stand up is, yeah. I think a lot of people forget it's a uniquely American art form. I, I always yeah. forget that's yeah. weird to it's think. It's an indigenous American art form. There's sure. three it's hip hop, jazz, jazz, and stand up comedy. Yeah. But did you, when was Letterman sort of your, always been your comedy hero, like icon? Uh, definitely on the late night side, for sure. Because it was only when, like, my mom knew. You know what I mean? Right, like, of course. Here's like, we're all foreigners, we're immigrants to America came here in 90 and my mom knows who letterman is like that's a big deal like my mom knows letterman yep. and all the game show hosts you haven't made it till your mom knows someone you're in the photo with right absolutely, yeah. I, absolutely. I mean i remember coming here and being like how do i get on like jeopardy yeah exa- no for real <laughs> seriously yeah my mom loved him loved yeah. alex trebek and and rest in peace she just absolutely loved it she saw me i think we were in abu dhabi for the formula one thing and all the celebrities like go there's like certain celebrities that love this formula one shit and everybody goes and they gathers there and i happened to be there as well and dave was there and everybody but she i took a picture it was me 
Dave and Steve Harvey. <laughs> and my mom was like, Steve Harvey. Oh, <laughs> like, my son is like up there. I'm like, Jesus. Taught, him, taught me everything I know. A yeah. little book called Act Like a Lady, Think Like a Man. <laughs> yeah. Very ostensibly problematic book, but totally changed my life. And I would not have been proposed to a couple times, even though they fell apart, had it not been for Steve Harvey's book. Are you serious? Yes, bitch. Act Like a Lady, Think Like a Man is the most fucked up book, but it is true as all hell. So it's Steve Harvey basically saying like- I don't know why, but I really like you calling me bitch right now. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry, no, sorry. I really like- I liked it. It was kind of weird. That was like just to the to the. She was like, "Yes, bitch." I was like, "Yeah, all right." Where is okay. this going? <laughs> Usually, I'm like, "What the fuck did you say?" <laughs> this one, just the way you just said it, the way it slipped out, I was like, "Bitch is nice. like a shit." It's you if know I had what it cologne, is. I would have sprayed it on right. <laughs> <now>. <laughs> I've got some CK yes, one right here. <laughs> no, I was saying dude for a while and I was like that is so not no bitch is way better she's like bitch it's yeah. more just like I'm a drag queen I love it so yeah so I it's not it. calling you it it's I just get it. going I like I got that vibe from it yeah, it's my it was way great. of going to everybody like bitch this mm -hmm. person is when someone doesn't get credit where credit is due even if I have plenty of uh, ways to clown them I go bitch but we cannot <laughs> yeah. forget yeah. that Steve Harvey wrote this huge book that nobody really talks about how much they use it. It's called Act Like a Lady, Think Like a Man. And the whole thing is like, ladies, so glad that you're equal. So glad that you, you know, um, are getting everything you want in life and you can have it all, da, da, da. But could you just wear a fucking skirt every now and then? Wow. Would it kill you yeah. to let, to pretend you can't open the pickle jar? So just ask us to do something for yeah. you. Every, we need to feel useful. Okay. Do you know, don't go so feminist. Yeah that we have nothing to do. I feel like you dragged me out to like really <laughs> dangerous waters, but I'm safe. <laughs> but any moment I can just fucking sink. So I'm just gonna listen, nah, which men what? don't do. You know what I mean? I'm just gonna listen like a good bitch and over you know here what? on this side. I'm just gonna be this good polite bitch and you're gonna do something. it's how you say it you know like it's how you say it so mm -hmm. i took it very well but... i've reclaimed the word bitch yeah and it just now means listen yeah okay <laughs> fine i love it i think it's great everyone listen i'm gonna champion somebody yeah yeah <laughs> that everybody's mad at um but uh that is really funny i am really <laughs> pulling you into this yeah he's like why do you want me to respond like, <laughs> Um, I'm like, well, okay. Yes. That's it. <laughs> well, like, things are going well yeah, for you. Yeah, Let's yeah, see yeah, what we can yeah, do yeah, about yeah. that. You're on yes. top of the world. You're on fire. You have a, <laughs> yeah. you have a, you know, superhero movie coming out with The Rock October 21st. So, how do you feel about women's rights in America? But I think we could all agree the neighborhood's yeah. full of shit, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, that's fine. I can publicly say that. That's, I have no problem. <laughs> it's too much. That's too, I've seen crazy, and that's. <laughs> God bless her. You know, it's a rough one. That's a rough one. <laughs> I um remember like watching your special, and there is such a, a a joy in you, like an impish joy. Like you're so brilliant. You've been through so much, and I was like, what the fuck is my excuse? Mm -hmm. Like you know what I mean? I I remember just, and of of course we're performing whatever, but you're so um astute and so beautifully and so elegantly. Um, lace in the themes of ancestral trauma in your TV show. Like, do you feel like this joyfulness in this in writing comedy is like a survival mechanism? Is this your natural disposition? Have you had to work hard to stay in a positive space? Right. Yeah, it's just um, it was a multi-layered answer. 
so one is my mom told me directly like ah this makes sense when you were like two years old you would just turn off the tv and start performing in front of the tv so there was like this seed that was there that i didn't even know it was planted right and then there's the the war that happened that removed us from kuwait and ended up in houston texas and then there was just like the space of like trying to figure out what makes sense of it all and i was always like a storyteller with my friends like uh, when I was like six, seven years old, the neighborhood would all go around. I would just tell stories, just spontaneously start telling them stories. And I'm completely making up. I was going to say, not the same thing. I was such up. a liar yeah, as a kid. Just fucking lying my ass off. Yeah. If you want to frame it that way, fine. <laughs> I was thinking a kid with a great imagination. <laughs> Pathological liar. <laughs> Pathological liar. <laughs> you say tomato, for I For them say. to laugh, so it's permissible. Okay. And that is the best medicine, is, therefore I am a yeah. doctor. I yes. am a medical doctor. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I have a degree. I haven't printed it yet, but it's fine. No, really. Because I'm was, green. It was because <laughs> it was always like part of my life. And then when that happened, you know, leaving fleeing the war, I ended up in Houston, Texas and figuring out what's going on. And then being introduced to stand up at ten, I was like, that's what I'm gonna do. And I figured it out. And every time something super serious would happen, I find myself cracking a joke or, you know, finding a way to, to make other people laugh that are not feeling well. It's just interesting. Um, I was born to do it, 100%. It was just like, like imagine all the things that had to happen for me to get where I am. Like, yeah. Like, my parents had to leave uh, Palestine to go to Kuwait, right? Had to flee that to to go my dad got a job in kuwait you spend i don't know 30 years there have me all that the war happens you end up in houston texas uh, my dad dies all these things start happening uh, tragic things that happen to a kid so young but then there's this like drive that like oh i'm supposed to be a stand-up comedian this is what i'm gonna do and then my your mentor at 17 tells you it's 20 years for overnight success and you're like yeah Let's go. Mm -hmm. Not even thinking about it. And then everybody's looking at you like you're crazy. Like this guy is mm -hmm. out of his mind thinking that this is so achievable. And and then you're right. Mm -hmm. You know, I was right. All my instincts were right. All Everything that I felt inside was correct. And it was incredibly therapeutic for me. Although being broke and sleeping in your car and fucking doing one-nighters across the South as a Muhammad in a post-9-11 era it was terrifying at times it was absolutely necessary it's so wild i was talking to emily about this earlier because i was like i remember as a kid watching on the news what was going on in the gulf war but people my our age mm -hmm. got kind of fucked in terms of learning about this because it happened when we were so young yeah so you're not really understanding it right, right? and then by the time it's kind of, oh, you know, it's not going to be in history books by the time you're really in high school. It's never. more of current events. Yeah, never. You know? Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, we're too busy learning that the pilgrims and mm -hmm. the Native American Indians just had fun dinners. Right. We're learning shit that didn't happen. Right. <laughs> instead of, you know, what's actually what's currently happening. And then by the time you're out of college, it, that's when it's probably getting into history books. But we're, yeah. it's almost like living through it, it's you yeah. know the least about it. It's also like such a fucked up privilege of Americans that our parents just had to say to us like, hey, something scary is happening on, but you don't need to worry about it. Do you know what right. I mean? Like 
we didn't have wars like boots on the ground. Like yeah. something was happening overseas and our we were seven. So our yeah. parents weren't going to be like, let's talk about the like what we're doing right now. You know what I mean? Sure, and then, sure. And as an adult, you have to go, hey, I don't know when that, I was alive during yeah. it. But I don't I was all yeah. I saw was Monica Lewinsky news at that <laughs> yeah. time. There was someone. Which is important. There was come on. A, there was a come on address from the gap. OK, yeah. that yeah, had that real did, problems. That they did explain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. At six years old, they explained the yeah. car, the, yeah. the cigar and the pussy. Yeah, That's yeah, 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 yeah. so funny. I forgot that happened, the cigar. And the I pussy. didn't. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> when you're when y'all yeah. were fleeing, that's what we were learning about. We were like, they Do you want to smell my leader. cigar? We have our priorities straight. Okay. You want to smell my cigar? It's uh, Maduro. I don't know. It's quite we, pungent. We're very yeah. worldly. She was wearing a French beret. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. She was really ahead of her time. We are nothing if not Fashionista. worldly. Yeah, you're right. But was there a? I'm just thinking. <laughs> I'm just thinking about you coming over at that time. Was it frustrating that Americans probably didn't know that much about your circumstance? Or was there a, a relief of like, okay, I can just try to not have to think about it? Yeah, you don't really have time to be frustrated in those. You just have to like survive. Yeah. It's not about like, oh, they don't understand me. Like, <laughs> I just don't feel like, I just yeah. don't feel like these, these kids in Texas see me. Yeah, they won't no. stop talking about Monica. Yeah, <laughs> I, no, yeah. I don't feel seen. <laughs> There's no time for like that. And I have no problems like making friends and all that. It was just like the, the, like the social gap. Like I didn't mm -hmm. even know what cool was or, you know, I didn't know that there was a thing as like being cool versus the uncool. Like I didn't even, that concept was so different like, is that I, just a uniquely was that a uniquely american concept at the time for me like it was was not maybe a western thing mm -hmm. but definitely not like a kid in kuwait like going to private british english school like we didn't know like oh this person's cool that person's not cool like so i didn't have time for any of that it was just a survival it was constantly like survival learning uh i was making friends it was not a problem like making friends and it was just more like adjusting from british english to american english so many different i would embarrass myself regularly uh just to like to understand that there's such drastic differences in english from british to american is wild to me like i asked my teacher for a rubber one time in front of the whole class like this is strength can i get a rubber like yeah they're like what they're probably like this kid's really fucking cool yeah like damn yeah he's already getting it in he fifth got real grade. cool real yeah. fast fourth grade he's getting that pussy no it was fucking hysterical and then and then i would call cats pussy you know like i didn't know and kids wouldn't correct me because they enjoyed having fun with me like you know me saying that and then uh but then it's weird because then some guys call other guys cats like this cat over here yeah that's pretty fun i never even thought just about like it. how i'm yeah. trying to cool get english right yeah wait hold on <laughs> yeah no it was like a what recess up, dog? yeah what yeah it was the whole situation it was so funny i didn't even think about that but it was just adjusting and and i didn't really have time to think about. and then in the moment also speaking about this like understanding what was going on in the moment i had anger towards a particular person or a leader and then you grow up and realize oh it's way more complex mm -hmm. than what i had it uh, and it's 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 america it's america running this whole ship like it's pretty amazing the greats greats are able to you know infuse something with um in incredibly serious dark painful you know traumatic content but somehow just you have this instinct you know how to like perfectly dose it out so that you know the viewer doesn't shut down yeah and start going okay i don't want to think about i'm this is too painful that you yeah. like and 
it seems like the way you know your character navigates it obviously probably how you navigate it in life but is there ever a time where you're like because people don't want to be preached to either it's yeah. like people's egos get involved and they're like don't make me feel bad don't make me feel guilty. I don't want to feel all those on my night off. Right, you know? right, exactly. But I still, you know, want to be educated about this and want more empathy. And obviously this, it, and also the show's just fucking funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's also just fucking exactly, great yeah. regardless. Thank like you. that's what I keep saying about it. They're like, yeah. oh, it's how you, it's a great way to learn about the Palestinian American experience of someone that, it's, it's also just a hilarious fucking show. Yeah. You know? So, but are there ever conversations where you're like, like, let me dose this out, or yeah. or do you think about just balancing the comedy with tragedy and what the ratio should be? Yeah, that's, well, all my life has been that, for sure, like, balancing it out, and but also in stand-up, it's like, you can't give them too much, and also, like, you gotta be funny. Yes. The number one thing is you gotta be hilarious. Mm -hmm. You can't just be up there trying to teach people, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. no, me being on stage is a, teach is a teaching moment, mm -hmm. like, I was performing in, I'm talking about every nook and cranny in the fucking South. Yeah. Pre 9-11 as a teenager. And then 9-11 happens. And it's just like, oh, just being me and being funny is significant enough. That's, that's one already layer. revolutionary. Yeah, that's already a thing. If I come up here and I'm ignorant, it's already progress. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. anything. Just you got to be funny. And then like, oh, you know, like people walk up to me regularly. And this happened to a lot of other comedians, Arab comedians later on is like you don't look arab you know what i mean like this happens so you start understanding like oh man there's so much but also to deliver how here. do you know yeah exactly you don't how, look arab how yeah yeah well it's based off of what they've been, been fed for, for the last what? x amount of years right well i mean hollywood has depicted arabs for a certain way yeah, yeah. for like 80 years yeah, like yeah. since the 30s yeah yeah it's been crazy you don't so look like the thing. arabs at the seventh veil strip club yeah. in, the, in the in the paintings in the window it's so weird like to, where yeah. what are you basing this on I mel mean, gibson in blackface and, yes yeah. i mean confident like well you don't look arab mm. you know i read a thousand and one nights and uh, yeah. you don't need, I've you seen know. arabian nights yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. aladdin you don't look like an aladdin <laughs> out here where's your carpet is it in your back pocket y'all fold them up like that y'all got <laughs> is there some kind of trick? I do not see a camel saying. anywhere. Yeah, I just kind of—it's exactly right. So that's one, and then and then realizing like, oh man, spreading it out is important. Mm -hmm. Like in your set, because mm -hmm. uh, it's it's because I find you know I I'm I'm just fascinated by, and I think this is part of the reason I've been a little bit like um. Uh, you know the spinny wheel on the computer? Yeah, the rainbow wheel. The rainbow wheel. Yeah. I kind of have that with you because I'm going, I don't want to do that thing in this interview that people always do to me, which is yeah. like, I'm just a female comedian. Right. You know what I mean? And then that's all. I can't just be a comedian. But then when someone is just like, oh, you know, because me comedians do this and this. And I'm like, yeah, but also being a woman is, is so it's weird. It's like sometimes yeah. I want to be identified as a female comedian and then other times I don't. And I'm just curious like where you are in terms of like, I really want to lean into this part of myself and this part of my identity, but sometimes I just want to be a fucking comedian. Yeah. No, it's a it's a tough one. It's a really tough one. So I'm going to continue on this, like spreading it out, and I'm going to answer that question. So then like I realized like in my stand, I remember listening to a Bill Hicks album, and he was getting really sophisticated in his stand-up. Like there was a moment where he was just really smart and and the crowd is really quiet. And then he goes, don't worry, I'm going to get to the dick jokes. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just one of those things that's kind of a reliever. Like, oh, you can't give people too much information at once. Too real. The quiet, all that. Like, you got to dose it out. 
that's that's one and then it just lended itself to the tv show where i knew like i didn't want it to be a hyper political show like i don't want it to be so politicized that people miss the funny the mm -hmm. story the heart the attachment to the characters because politics can get really tricky you know people will have their own views and what am i gonna try to change your view? i'm not trying to change your views you know i'm just want you to relate to this Palestinian family, it's history. I'm a Palestinian American. Came here as a refugee who's created his own show, who's cast a Palestinian family. Aside from my, the guy who plays my brother Omar Elba, who's phenomenal. He's Egyptian, but he worked on the dialect. Like everything was so specific and accurate, and it was really important to me to like for people to um understand the characters feel the story attach themselves to them and then you can just have the dialogue come here and there you don't need to be over the top with it you're gonna lose people i don't want to lose people i don't care i really genuinely don't care what you believe in as long as you listen like i'm i'll listen to you and there was this great quote my friend told me that his teacher taught him he said i forgot how to, i'm trying to get this right so i don't have a bush moment right here on your show <laughs> he says i'll listen to you with the possibility of you being right and i want you to listen to me with the possibility that i might be right like just have this open mind or maybe we're both a little right maybe both a little right maybe we're together just, we can yeah but just listening the, the bottom line is like trying to listen to each other and get there i think is what's important and your second question this last one what was no it? clue no clue do you couldn't remember? tell you <laughs> no come on oh it was, it was well, so how much of your experience you want oh how like do on. you vacillate back and forth yeah. of just in terms of like some days i'm like you know people are like you've done so much for women in comedy and oh I'm like, yeah yeah yeah, they're thinking, but yeah, not yeah, yeah. comedy and then right, I, exactly and another time someone's like yeah being a comedian at the comedy store every night till 2 a.m yeah. it's pretty hard i'm like it is harder. Like it then, is. all of a sudden, I want more. I want to be a woman. All of a sudden, hilarious. Yeah. And like, when do you want to just be a comedian, and when do you want to be a I want comedian Arab all the comedian? Time. Yeah, I want to be a comedian all the time. Like the press specifically loves framing it as like Muslim comedian. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like bro, I'm not doing Muslim comedy. Up here. I have done comedy for Muslims. He does comedy five exclusively. times exclusively. Yeah, I mean, I'm in New York, just killing myself. Like, <laughs> I just got Sorry, that. You too. <laughs> Slow burn. That he was does solid. A type five. Yeah, five you type five. That's it. Five, five is a magical number in Islam. I only do five. Okay, you want an hour? I can't do an hour. I do fifty-five minutes. That's how it goes. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, it was Roll just. Out the, it's not a red carpet. But. Yeah, I'm a comedian, man. It's the religion is separate from it. Um, you know, people will. It's a historic thing what I'm doing, so people are gonna want to attach totally things to it, and I'm fine with that. People will do that, and they'll do that. But in the end, I'm a comedian, man. We're all like, we're all one gender, we're all one race. Like we really are, man. Comedians are just like unique human beings. That here's something that fascinated me as I was watching your show because it's very. Um I guess I'm just gonna like say fashionable right now, but also in comedy, to me, very like sloppy and reductive and elitist to go like everyone from Texas is uh, ignorant. Everyone yeah. in the in, in the Midwest is dumb, and everyone, you know, it's just like a. I think that, and I don't even blame people that make these generalizations be, in a way because I I always try to find how can I get the compassion. It either means you don't know these people, you don't go to these places, yeah. or you just need to blame someone because it's an anesthesia to feel better about how stressful everything is right now. You know, right. I know how powerful blame can be. You sure. know, there's a school shooting. Well, fuck those QAnons. 
I feel better. Okay. Right. Like now I know what, you know what I mean? It's it's because there's nothing you can do about it and the brain needs a way to self-soothe and a lot of times it's maligning some. Yeah. But the scene where you're selling the sneakers to the guy from Texas, yeah. that character, like you could have very easily, and I see a lot of writers' rooms and a lot of who would very quickly, or it, it would be funny to them to make that character a cartoon, right. racist, uh, ignorant, just whatever, maybe for a cheap laugh, but ultimately throwing your character and the whole, sh ultimately under the bus because there would be a meanness behind it. Right. And truly my favorite moment in that episode was when you say I'm entrepreneur and he goes, good for you. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. It Only was, a writer would cash It that. was so sincere too. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, yeah, hell, that's a hell of a job. I was like that. The, it yeah. was just such a human moment and it was such a, even if this guy from Texas in your brain as a viewer you're going, ah, he probably has a gun or he probably is right. right. You're like, that moment was just. Yeah, I'm tired of this like idea that, that first of all, all Texans are this way. And then some will surprise you, be like, oh shit, yeah, man, me and my dad used to work out in Saudi Arabia. We're out there for mm -hmm. 15 months. Shit, I love that land with the rising and mm -hmm. shit. And, you know, we ate with our hands and, you know, like, we'll shock you. So <clears throat> until you have that experience with them, and then, and then Houston specifically is such a diverse city. Yeah. It's the most diverse city in America, and people don't know that. They have this idea of what it is. Mm -hmm. Like, basically, uh, you don't look Arab. You know, like, the same idea behind that is the same thing with Houston, this projection of, like, we're all on horses. And, yep. Hey, people just imagine that. And there is. They're fucking, you might be you might be at a stoplight and a horse crossed the road. Are you that sure that happen. wasn't one of those plastic horses outside Walmart yeah, no, no, that you put a penny in? No, that was legit, a, That legit. was an odd gate. I'm telling you. Everyone's they, on horses? Yeah, yeah. It's just like black cowboys will just roll up out of nowhere. It's amazing. But it's like the idea of of, like, everybody's that way. It's not. It's like... The, you respect the hustle, and it's and it's more so the character to be able to assimilate in any situation. Mm -hmm. That scene was about like it's a kickoff. Like man, he can Shape communicate. Shift. Yeah, exactly. With anyone, he knows exactly. exactly how to anticipate other people's needs. Yes. You can read someone. That is number one, a huge comedian thing. Yeah. You know, that's one of the greatest skills comedians sure. have. Is like we can look in the front row and go, they're on a bad date. Yeah. They're going through a divorce. Oh, yeah. That was a Groupon. Yes. They thought <laughs> Joe Rogan was going to be here. And yes, he's yeah, not, he's yeah. not coming. Yeah. He's not going to be here. So sorry. And yeah, it's so whatever. But yeah. so you're able to do that. Do you feel like your skill to be able to do that also came from the trauma of having to shapeshift as a refugee of like, definitely. I have definitely. to talk to a social worker and I have to go to this court thing and I have to. Yeah. Hyper. You got to like, I'm a hyper assessor. Like we are as comedians, but some are just like more elite than others. Hyper vigilant. I can just like hear more than most. I can see more than most. I can assess people's realities really quickly. Like it's scary. One time I did this trick with my friends. We were at a we were at a like club. Wait, like this is what I was doing at a club. It was hilarious in my <laughs> early twenties. We just went out. And I'm like, this girl just broke up with him, man. Like I could just tell she just broke up with him. These girls are taking her out to make her feel good. I could just tell. They're like bullshit. And I was like. Fuck it, let's just go and ask, you know? She's like, You just broke up with your man. She starts bawling. You know, like I was like, Oh, I'm sorry. I was just like trying to tell my friends I can assess people really well. And I think that you're just going through this and your I just friends are like how to bet you. They're, to like, win. they're like, Whoa, did somebody tell you? Like I was like, Nobody told me, oh my god. And I did it like six times in a row. Everybody just quit. All my boys just like quit. Like, this is crazy. I always want to talk about how your traumas could give you an advantage in life, you sure. know? Um Absolutely. and so but 
about that's if you're not fo- if if you're not super focused on the trauma and you're more focused on trying to get out of it and understand it and be better for it. Some people just love being a fucking victim. That's too. right. That's right. Like some people just can't live without being poor me. Look at me. What happened to me? And they just never get out of it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you're never gonna make it. You got to break out. You got to break out of that shit. And like you did that. And I want to go back to something you said too. Like how often you talk about being Arab on stage and like how do you parse that out? It's like, you know, when I was doing it, it's like this weird thing where ethnic comedians that are basically non-white comedians and not even black, just different, like say Pakistani or uh, Southeast Asian or whatever, like they would look at me sometimes and be like, oh, he's just doing stuff about his family. It's perceived like hacky, mm-hmm. right? Like it's, no, it's weird. Like I know it's weird, but it's, it's like, It's perceived oh. as hacky by hacks. By hacks, but exactly. that's a different. Yeah. But also, but also, they were just so trying to be something they're not. They were trying to imitate what white comedians are doing, mm-hmm. and like just trying to be. They're that. fucking like, a oh, stool. Fucking a stool or whatever they're doing. They're trying to all sound like Mitch Hedberg. Sure. Everybody mm-hmm. sounds like Dave Mitch Hedberg. Tell. And then, and then what happened later on, years down the line, those comedians walk up to me and be like, "Man, you know, I've always been just scared to talk about mm-hmm. where I come from and what I do." Now everybody's doing it right like everybody's doing it initially it was just like this thing like no man you just need to know how to write jokes i can write jokes bro i can write jokes i prefer to tell stories Mm -hmm. i mix it up i can sit on a stool i can i can i can be really animated i I can can smash a watermelon yeah well i definitely won't do that but (laughs) but the point is is that having as many weapons in your Mm -hmm. in your holster as possible is what it's about it's not about just being are you a sit-down comedian are you uh you know are you contemplative and in a corner and like uh, you all sound the fucking same yeah you know it's about getting as many tools in your tool belt as possible yeah and being able to work any room like that's the shit that's the shit and And to be as personal as possible while you're doing it was like super fascinating to me and i noticed it from the beginning that this needed to happen and that's why i mix it like this is what i am this is what it is this is my observation it's always if you look at all my the two specials they're very mixed a limiting belief uh that hollywood uh morons uh hold where they go oh well this person has such a specific experience right palestinian refugee like not everyone can relate. It's such a small sliver or something, right? Yeah. Or they go, oh, this person is half, you know, half Asian, half Hispanic. So that's such a small, but what, you know, I think we're learning and people like you, Rami Youssef, go, the more specific you are, the more universal you actually are. Right. Right? So it's like, even though the optics are not exactly the same, like your show, I feel like I related to more than any show about an entitled white woman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it, it's it's like by design. Like Danny Martinez is such an incredible mentor of mine. He owned the Comedy Showcase, which is no longer there, but he mentored Ralphie May, uh, R.I.P. Ralphie. Mm. And there's so many guys that went on to have like successful careers in Hollywood, and he took me under his wing when I was 17, and he taught me early on, be universal. Also, be able to write clean. Yeah, like being able to be clean at any moment in time. Mm-hmm. He's like, I want you to write clean. Mm-hmm. It's just like he forced me into that situation, and I'm I love using the word fuck. Fuck is so fun yeah. to say. Like fuck you, fuck this, fuck that. Mm-hmm. Why the fuck not? You know, like it's just so much fun to play with. And he just put me in this 
mindset. It's mm-hmm. like, man, you can always be dirty. You can always yep. go down. You can always do this. But man, if you have that in your arsenal, you're unstoppable. And be universal, even though your background is so incredible. And especially in the beginning, I think comedians, since we're such like punk rock, like we don't follow the rules, we challenge authority. Right. So the idea of conforming in any way or deluding ourselves, like I, I think I see, I'm being silenced. I'll say <laughs> fuck if I want. It's like, okay, but yeah. also like we're business people. I think yeah. the, the most successful comedians, the happiest ones are the ones that also can do business. Go, you know what? I can also do this without saying fuck. So I can do yeah. corporate gigs. I can do cruises. I can do if I need to yeah. whatever bat mitzvahs, whatever the fuck you need to do. Yeah. You know, and you only become stronger as a comedian, as someone who built this house uh, on the word fuck. Um, I. <laughs> oh my god! What if I just did bat mitzvahs and they didn't know I was like Palestinian, <laughs> but I was just, like a super clean comedian that never talked about my background, and somehow I just get booked at bat mitzvahs and I'm just looking around. Like I'm fascinated yeah. by it because there are times I do have imposter syndrome where I'll be like, without you know the ability to go into those incendiary areas or say curse words am i funny at all like sometimes i'll do it also just to challenge myself the most um edgy thing you can do right now is be vulnerable and kind of wear your heart on your sleeve and be open i'm the worst at that i just do it all the time and it's irritating (laughs) like the first two specials like i didn't mean to have like my mom is in the audience i didn't factor in that this is going to be hyper emotional for my mom so much heart Uh seeing like 1300 people lose their minds for you at the paramount theater and you're just like, look out, and your mom's bawling, and just like you didn't, I know. you didn't realize, like, oh shit, you know, like, oh man, Mom, I came like out of her. Yeah, I came out of her. Like, it's just crazy, and pop, she, pop. yeah, she popped me out, <laughs> pop, pop. and like this accident is now like becoming a star. This is wow, I did not see that coming. And then you know, and just talk, tell the story of how she got us out of Kuwait. It just happened in the first special. Where I just talked about it, which becomes the flashback in episode seven that I wrote years ago, and then in ep- in uh, in Muhammad in Texas, my second special, I go back on to do an encore. The crowd's going crazy. I was like, well, if I go back out, if if they go nuts, I'll go back out and I'll tell the story the first time I went to Palestine since the you know I have the wall in the background and I have the Mexican partition between Texas and Mexico. Then I'll go tell this story. It's a great story, and I'll just get out of there. It'll be sweet. So I tell the story and it just happens to be like so it just it is an amazing story. Mm-hmm. And then in post I'm like, "Wait, I think I have the footage of when I actually for the first time in 2009 I was able to go back to Palestine." And I was like, "Where's this footage? I can't find it anywhere. I find a hard drive. It's broken. I send it to the fucking emergency room. It's literally an urgent care. Like they're working on it. I call my friend Andrea Kalin, who's an amazing documentarian and director out of DC. She, I was like, do you happen to have some externals of mine? It's been so long. She goes, let me check. And she goes, these say Mo Nablus. I'm like, I think those are the ones of the experience of me going back to Palestine for the first time. And then I intercut it into the special. Like, got it. I was supposed to turn the special in the next day. Wow. And I, it was that kind of situation. And then everybody was like, I don't know if it's going to work and this and that. Put it together. Everybody's watching us crying. Crying. I'm just like, shit, what did I just do? And it became like a dedication to my father, which I'm very proud of. It was not a, it was not like, it was not on purpose. It was just something that happened naturally. And both specials are like that. And the show, of course, is going to be, the series is going to have this kind of heart. And it's something that you, I just can't like get away from. It's who I am, you know, deeply personal. And I think the more personal you are, the bigger the connection. And also I sleep better. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I sleep a lot better. Because you get to leave it all on the floor. Yeah. It's like I got to get, like, get this all out and give it to y'all. Yeah. And now I get to almost um yeah episode three is like a real thing i found out about my dad being tortured at the lawyer's office this and that i realized i didn't even like mourn it properly in my own life and so like doing the scene i broke down i genuinely like just Mm -hmm. lost my shit while you were shooting it yeah while i was shooting it i was just like i was so focused on the thing because the dialogue that i wrote that put together for that was you know intended for him to space out and get there like to be so focused on the thing that happened to his father and once i sat there with it and it was so quiet in a church it's dark bumby's voice my dear friend so soothing like just felt made me feel so comfortable i just lost my shit everybody was like that was amazing I was just like oh, nobody could make eye contact with me You're after like, we fuck filmed yeah. that. Yeah, no, it's like everyone was just like, yeah. feels like you just shot a porn, like yeah, a triple like, gangbang. It when was you- like so weird. I feel weird. I've never done this before, you know, to be so like honest like that. And then I remembered Chappelle telling me one day, he goes, "Be so honest, it's hard to make eye contact with you." And that was the first time I actually experienced it where everyone was like, yeah, you know, wiping their tears, like doing this thing. And nobody really wants to look at you. And it's like, oh, that was so real. Even for me, I'm having problems. Mm -hmm. Everybody else around you is just like, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, just only for little doses, they'll look at you and then look away. I was like, this is great. This is very cathartic. It's real. It's honest. It's the kind of television I want to make. It's it's just doesn't get realer than that. The choice that I saw that you kept in was this sort of all business, like swallow it, white knuckle it, swallow it, you know? And is that in your life uh, a coping mechanism that you like, what, you know, used of just like, because my thing is like, there's certain things where like, if I start crying, I'll just like never stop. Like yeah. maybe there are certain things, you know, like tools like denial and just, and, but so elegantly did I see I'm like good I remember saying to the character like good block that out that's good smart Yeah, yeah. I was like like, best case scenario is just swallow it and just let it crystallize into cancer yeah exactly I was like this is perfect (laughs) and that's what most people do and I definitely did that I was like if I was your therapist I would say God forbid it turns into cancer I would say exactly I would say that was a perfect way of handling this denial just give me the papers, let's move. Right. And then the incredible uh, uh, scene where you're a DJ in the strip club and there's a guy smoke, and it just, it's Snapped. gonna come out. Yeah. It's in there. Exactly. It's gonna come out when it, if you won't let it out, if you're not gonna feel the feelings, if you're not gonna exercise them and face them, right. they're gonna find their way out and it's gonna look, it's gonna look nasty. Was that something exactly. that happened in real life where you felt like, yeah, I, I I found out in the lawyer's office. That's how I found out about my dad after I became a citizen at that point. So it's different from the storyline. And I looked in the folder. I was like, what is this picture? What is that picture? And he was just like, um, your dad? Like, he just so surprised. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Okay, cool, 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 cool. You know, like that. Yeah, kinda, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, not yeah, about yeah. it. Ah, he passed away many years ago. You know, God rest. I'm like, how am I going to have mercy on his soul? Okay. I just bounced. And I realized, like, I never, I just, like, buried it. It was over. Yep. Never dealt with it. Gone. Didn't cry about it. Didn't think about it. And then when I had that moment in the scene where I just am focused on, like, 
uber focused on it it just snapped and that's how ptsd it. works it shows yeah. up when you least expect it and i mean that's how i kind of grow up too like you gotta white knuckle it like hey man keep it in i've my mom calls me like the dad of the thing you've turned into the you're the youngest but somehow you've become like that in the family i'm like ah man i don't know how the hell that happened but okay great you know like I, that's a responsibility you know and Sometimes you got to just white knuckle shit for mm -hmm. everybody. You just got to just keep it and bury it. And just bury it and then bury it again. Bury it again. Tries to come out. I was like, well, the fuck <laughs> You jump on it. Like, you're, you're sitting on... You're, you're still, like, sitting on a suitcase trying to zip it after putting the hotel towels in That's it. exactly right. And then it just comes out. It's whack-a-mole. Yeah. And it makes me think the more I, I realize in ways that I've done that from, you know, sexual abuse as a kid or anything like that, I also realize like it helps me have compassion for um, other people that are just acting wild, you know, especially post pandemic, the shit you see on the internet when you see people just being wild yeah. and like canceling people that, you know, are, you know, wouldn't, shouldn't have known better or didn't, you know, whatever, overreacting, right. hysterical reactions. If hysterical, it's historical. And then I'm like, wait a second, is all these people on Twitter acting like this? Like these, these could be people that have trauma that, yeah, pushed exactly. it down, and now it because it comes out at the worst time, right, of often course. around people that don't deserve it, and yeah. it's going to come out hell or high water. So I think as a species, we have such a we're so um, underdeveloped in terms of the concept of like healing trauma so that it doesn't continue. Her people don't keep hurting people. Like we do that definitely in Arab culture. Like we definitely bury stuff just like anybody else, and it's not a but. It's an and we have like we're taught. I remember being taught at a very young age, like meditation and, you know, repeating certain words and having that, you know, having that outlet to just pray. You know, it's Soothe not like, your mind. it's not like just pray. Like the prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said, like, this has been prescribed to you. It's like a, it's like a medicine, you know, like praying five times a day is a prescription. It's not a, yes, it's, it's mandatory. It's like part of the pillars of Islam. But the way it's phrased, it's a medicine. It's a way to relieve your heart and and your mind of things that you didn't even know you had in there. Do you look at this American kind of pseudo obsession? It's all kind of performative with like meditation. Like we just discovered meditation like yeah, two years ago. Bogus. So just <laughs> annoying and fucking yoga. Like get out of here. Like, get out of here. This yoga shit. Like, uh, like shut the fuck up. Man. That is so... It's all like, it's all borrowed from all these different religions. It's like so annoying. Borrowed? Matter of fact, they're not... They're stolen. Not, sorry, they're not stolen. It sorry, sorry, <laughs> stolen. Let me tell you this story about my teacher. He was praying, Muslim man, scholar, praying at a, at a, at a airport. He was just started praying and security comes over. He's like, sir, you can't pray here. He goes, oh, no, I'm doing yoga. And he goes, oh, okay. And just leaves him alone, and he continues to pray. Oh <laughs> the fact that he's like, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. Yeah. You can't. No, I'm actually going to do the, the thing that makes you fart yeah, exactly. on everyone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're good. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, yeah. He was okay with yoga, but he can't. you can't pray here. Jesus. Yeah. I have stories from my friends that, like, they were praying – you know, on their lunch break on set, and some people are like, hey, why is he doing that here? You're like, it's his lunch break. He's mm -hmm. praying. Like, I think they would rather you doing cocaine and fucking hookers. It's true. That is so fascinating to me because it's 
kind of natural to go like, oh, well, that's not something I believe, so it shouldn't exist at all. Yeah. If I don't believe it, it just shouldn't exist. Or the terror management theory of like, wait, you have this religion that works really well for you. Uh You have this medicine and my ego can't handle. Right. That's I'd rather stay sick than have someone else have a better idea. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we basically, unless we're working really, really hard on ourselves, we are recreating our childhood circumstances, right? Yeah. With the people we are surrounded with. And it's like recreating that neurochemical cocktail of yeah. adrenaline and cortisol or shame or whatever yeah. it is. You know, I sometimes would find myself in relationships with drug addicts and alcoholics. And I was like, I hate this. I hate drama, but I am magnetically attracted to yeah. this feeling. The amount of like attractive women that are like, are attracted to guys who are addicts almost makes me want to shoot up you know what i'm saying like it's like maybe let's see let's do this an experiment like, at least I pretend have i don't have an addictive personality like outside of cigarettes and food like i don't really have i could do that for a week and see what happens you know, you know what, what you could do start dating like the hottest models on earth like yeah man it's just like i don't know thing. just uh yeah. i just did a bunch of coke in la yeah. didn't test it for fentanyl yeah maybe you should swing maybe. by <laughs> and rescue me for real what is that there's a couple it's things. so interesting there's a me. couple things there but what you could do is you could just say you're recently sober and it wouldn't be a lie oh because that we also like the guys that they're they're uh the bad decisions yeah. are in the past yeah yeah that's hot you know what i mean okay, like cool. you're so i'm struggling every day to do blow, but if you just suck my dick, I won't need to do that cocaine. <laughs> Hot <laughs> I mean, tip. Yeah. Hot tip, guys. No pun intended. I just, if you, we can't have a threesome with your friends, yeah. I really feel like I have to do math. I'm going uh, <laughs> to throw myself off of the building. I am. I'm going to do it. I think what it is, especially with Yo, hot girls, it. is the only thing that is... um sort of more important to an addict's brain than the hot girl is the drug. So to a drug addict, a hot girl is a 10 when there's no cocaine around, but when cocaine's around, she's a four. Yeah, you know, just because wow. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna pick the cocaine every time. So I think hot girls are so not used to being ignored or having something chosen over them that there is this yeah, yeah. chase of I'm gonna make him love me as much as he loves that drug. Or you, it's like a je- you're jealous of the drug that he loves so much more than you know. And I remember I dated this drug addict once who um, he said straight up because I was like, you know, you think sex or the best blowjob or something is gonna get them to love you, and he just said he's like, I've done heroin. It's like a thousand. Orgasms. Like, oh there's God. nothing you can do that's going to feel better. You know, nothing. This is like the best ad for heroin right now. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> have you <laughs> nutted repeatedly and just felt like it wasn't enough? We'll just do heroin at the same time. We can time. help you with that. No, God forbid. I also want to ask because I am someone that um, kind of identifies as an accident. I've been told I was an accident. I was you told mean, I was an accident. 100%. I'm just going to put this in my mouth. Please do. And an you, you also can smoke in here. And if uh, um, you can sit outside if you want. Um, you make me look like a loser. Oh, my well, God. Luck. Don't say that. God, you I'm hate cool. cigarette smoke that much. No, no I'm cool. <laughs> that was a good that was nice i like that do that again that's how you know how cool you are you tell people yeah cool <laughs> she would have done great in your high school in houston yeah oh, i yeah. told you exactly what was who cool. was cool and who wasn't <laughs> but i also think there's i already felt like when i saw he's the six uh, or, or six of six children yeah i'm like does he know he's a mistake he must oh my mom told me yeah 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 my mom told me and i took it so personal but she was oh. actually trying to give me a compliment my mom would always say surprise. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, surprise. You were a surprise. Yeah. But I think Yeah, that's what she was saying. She was like, I didn't expect. Isn't there something yeah. though kind of like magical about I feel like when you 
are a whatever mistake or was were born because a lot of times women get pregnant right after they have a child because they think they can't like what are the chances and they're like oh let's try this out the stitches right. just healed like right, right, right. you know what i mean like <laughs> oh immediately i've been using your butt in your mouth let's see let's give it a run <laughs> let's give it a you know it's been five kids we're done let's see if this uh, thing even works anymore and then there you go so that's so a lot of, but i feel like on some level i knew yeah. like i always overcompensated i always felt like i needed to be perfect i always felt like i couldn't add any stress to the house i couldn't have any needs i became a, a chronic self-depriver because i feel like they and just kids know everything we know everything you know and even if they never said it explicit to me i always was like i feel like they hadn't they didn't know i was on the way i always feel like i was overwhelming everyone i always feel like they weren't prepared for me Right. You know, and then that makes us have this work ethic. Okay, I'm going to be perfect. I swear I'm going to earn my place here. Like, I right, swear right. I'm, you really can smoke. Um, no, no, it's fine. I, or this, you want to just hold it? Okay. This will help. I'm not going to okay. no, please smoke. do an please, evacuation. Please, please. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll smoke too. <laughs> we love, you know, no, smoke. beautiful women. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Beautiful women love addicts. Go yeah, for it. Come no, on. I, I want to. I want to. I'm just no, like. No, go for it. Go for it. Here. No, we've. I didn't wash my hair today. Is that so okay? I, I mean, it's fine. This is like all natural tobacco, That's so you don't true. have Here's all Here's going to be your it. ash. Is That's that right. my a Versace <laughs> yeah. trash can? It's fancy in here. Is it really? <laughs> This that is the like dopest some shit, shit your ever. character in the show would sell out of his car. That's a hundred percent something I would sell out of my car. <laughs> that was so good, right? That I got that fucking... on Etsy. Yeah. So it's oh, that's amazing. Yeah, no, that's not a yeah. Okay, but I'm gonna do it. You're gonna do, do it. it. I'm I'll do so it with sorry. you. I'll do it with you if it makes you feel better. When that's how codependent I am. Of course, you want one? Yeah. When people, when Andrew Schultz is on the show, I would. I hate smoking a lot. I love smoking, yeah. but I try not to be a smoker. So when other people smoke, it makes me so excited. Yeah, I, I don't give a fuck, man. I want to smoke all the time. Like, I'm definitely trying to quit at the end of the year. But. Do you feel like American Spirits is going <laughs> to have to change this at some point? No, I hope they don't. <laughs> this doesn't seem a little dicey. It's definitely dicey, Red, for sure. It's Redskins, I mean, that felt long overdue. This, yeah. I'm just waiting. I think I would stop smoking if they did that, so... <laughs> Something about like I trust the natives. <laughs> do, do we feel like the natives are? Do we feel like this isn't some white God, guy I named Earl? So. I feel like Earl Rockefeller started feels, this brand. It feels a hundred percent. Whoever why became. And it also fool you by the way. Most of them don't say made with organic tobacco up top. There's only two that are actually organic tobacco. It's oh. not one and the other blue. Oh, interesting. So everything else is like. I eh, just feel like dicey. whoever got rich off Lando Lakes and Aunt Jemima syrup probably made this. Yeah, hundred percent. There's like. <laughs> And why do I think it's like a healthy cigarette? It feels like a healthy cigarette. <laughs> Does an American it spirit is, feel listen, healthy? This is the healthiest of all healthy cigarettes. For real. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not great. When I was a kid in DC, we would smoke version. cools with a K. Let me tell you something. The first cigarette I ever Menthol. smoked was an unfiltered camel. Unfiltered camel cigarette was the first one I had. And you've had a raspy voice ever since. <laughs> and then how do you, when you have an idea or have an experience or put something together, how do you decide this is something I'm going to put in the show or this is something I'm going to do on stage? Um, I never had like a moment where I was just like, I want to save this or save that. I just uh, get it all out. Yeah, put it all out there. I don't give a shit. We'll create more. And also the, you know, my family story and my experience, there's so much to unpackage yeah. that especially with an eight episode series it's like so hard to, mm -hmm. to just space everything out yeah and it was so it's I mean like I have probably over 200 index cards of like stories whether it be like flashback origin stories or 
things that I've experienced in America or traveling the world without a passport or mm. whatever they are. I just keep jotting them down and I have them like on index cards like, oh, okay, this word and I remember the story. I think it goes two ways. It seems like when you have a really traumatic childhood, you either remember everything or you like disassociate and like, yeah. I don't remember any like kind of I have to I do this like EMDR thing yeah. where people try to like jog your memory to remember stuff but like I really it seems like you had such a clear understanding of what was going I on all of it. even I as a kid do you think also about that that is a unique not uniquely but I think it's uniquely American to have the privilege of almost blocking out what's sure. happening to you because you're maybe for yeah, the most maybe. part safer in general just when you know the idea that you're in this fight or flight state at such a young child you had to be so i think it's a combination of a few things there's this thing called autobiographical memory which is so fascinating where people remember every single day of their life every single day what they wore what they ate what they felt what they did the day before well autobiographical memory they remember every the photographic is different but for regular people like if you have a traumatic experience like if you just smack the shit out of me right now sure i'll never forget it Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah, well, because I'd film it for content and it would be. I'm like, yes. we're going to sell out arenas. Let's yeah. go. Let's go. This will be the scripted <laughs> one. You, you would, you, I would absolutely remember that for the rest of my life. If I stub my toe, you, you're not going to forget that. Oh, this fucking table did this, did this to me. Right, so, and our brain is just designed to survive and hold it in our hippocampus exactly. really hard. But I remembered everything. Like when I recreated the house that we fled from in Kuwait, yeah. my mom was just in tears because I remembered the it's always the right time deal. Hey, want to go to Mickey D's for lunch? Ooh, let's go now. <laughs> but it's not lunchtime yet. If we're going to McDonald's, it's always the right time. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. There's a deal for every lunch hour at McDonald's. Now's the time to get two for $3.99. Mix and match a four-piece McNuggets, a McDouble, a McChicken, or a hot and spicy McChicken. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price everything and then we had some pictures some references but there was certain things like the plants the the record player the you know my dad was a telecommunications engineer and he mm-hmm. was so ahead of it with electronics like he had like a phone in the 60s you know and put over his shoulder my mom would tell me like he had that big ass like looked like an engine hanging off of his shoulder yeah. it was a phone like he had all that so i remembered all those pieces and I remember what the street looked like the colors the just I had like almost a photographic memory associated with that. There's a few things like that for me, and there's not many, thankfully. I do I do think that I deal with things pretty decently. And boy, that breath where it squeaked, my voice just squeaked. My lungs, it was like, well, maybe I need to quit smoke. I just well, heard a, that was wild. Did I did you not hear that? know that. I was, was like, I've never had that, that happen was before. Wild. I was waiting for um one of those uh It's catching uh, up to me. Jesus. One of those, you know, in <laughs> your um, horses old, are out front now. You know just in like, old time <laughs> movies when like a, a tumbleweed will go by. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> you just burped I was up like, a tumbleweed. Whoa. It's like this is some I just got a hot flash. Like, oh shit, what am I doing to myself? I thought it was a bird. I'm getting anxious. Give me another cigarette. It was there. like a, in the old west. Wow. <laughs> I don't know, That's the beginning of something. That we should was... stop that immediately. <laughs> Fuck sake. Can we get some? <laughs> Promo code Whitney. I, did, I, did we just participate in your rock bottom? Yeah, I think so. I think so. So what we did I literally smoking. am having a hot flash. Like, what the fuck was that? Uh, Do you want water? No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Are you sure? No, I'm positive. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I don't disagree. Yeah. <laughs> I think you are not a reliable narrator. I, I was doing when it great. Comes to All of you, a sudden, I just. I don't. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck was that? I don't know. The, do you need a Ricola? Out. 
Like, do yeah, we need probably to... a Ricola would definitely help. Some smelling salts. I don't Maybe know some something. Vicks? Does anyone have some Vicks vapor Vicks rub? Vicks is the shit, though. Dude, no, I would... dude, I grew up on Vicks. My mom yeah. every night before bed put Vicks under our nose. Yeah. Said it was this is preventative, but what you, people don't know about Vicks and Afrin and all this stuff, it becomes very addictive. Oh, does mm-hmm. it? If you yeah. use it all the time, then you're yeah. congested. If you, you know, yeah, and that's I, right. I use it my whole life. I got like Afrin. If you use like it. Afrin, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You can't. You have, or, yeah. and then the Vicks spray just to clear your sinuses right. and I would wear Vicks every night before bed even to college like right. I was addicted to it I loved it right before bed guys would be like it was so gross <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and uh come over t- here little mama let me <laughs> give some of that little Vicks <laughs> you little vixen <laughs> come on <laughs> come on here bring that little mentholatum over here to don't me, get baby. it near my balls now yeah. not near my balls oh, now oh, oh no I look forward to the balls please just get some of that Vicks the little tingle action. <laughs> That shit will tingle like feels hot. like I'm having a threesome. Just, uh, <laughs> but the, but <laughs> feels like somebody else is touching my balls while I'm it's having like, sex with you. Just that's a good way to get a blowjob so from weird. a sick girl. Is put Vicks right above your dick and be like, yeah. <laughs> you want to be you, clear yeah. up your congestion? Come yeah. and get it. Yeah. It's a preventative. <laughs> We now take a break from uh, the episode with Mo Ammer to tell you a little bit about my tour announcements. Uh, Just this uh, Saturday, September 24th, I'll be in Charlottesville, Virginia at the Paramount Theater. And then I'm doing a bunch of clubs this fall uh, to work on the new hour. This tour is called the I Club You Tour because I club you. October 21st through 23rd, I'm in San Jose. I'm going to be in Kansas City November 3rd at the Prairie Brand Casino Resort. That sounds... It is... Outside of Kansas City, it's in Mayetta, Kansas. It's in Mayetta, Kansas. I used to hear ads for Prairie Brand Casino Resort on the radio when I was driving to school. Prairie Brand Cas- Band, whatever Band. Casino Resort, November seventeenth to nineteenth. I'm going to be in Sacramento. I'm going to be at the Punchline, November twenty fifth. Then I'm going to go to Phoenix, stand up live, Oxnard, California, and then Valentine's Day next year, I'll be in Irvine, California. Let's do it for a word from our sponsor. Better help now. Why do you love therapy so much? I, I love it because I can talk about you. I- <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can do that like just gossip for free. No, I signed an NDA. I you can't. Know, I'm do you legally know how many not people would sign up? to talk shit about me for free with you. I signed an NDA. That's she, not possible. She's, she, she's famously said that NDAs are fake. I was going to say, had you, if, she's the queen if you would unmute NDA. my Instagram feed, <laughs> you would know that I, for weeks, I am on the bandwagon of NDAs are basically means nothing. Ironically, my BetterHelp counselor insisted that I mute your Instagram stories. <laughs> Uh, okay promote her (laughs) Uh, that is she is awesome um no for me it's just like i think we tend to overshare with our friends and it makes our Mm. relationships toxic it's like you know there's certain things you don't want to talk to about the people you know because then they're never going to let you live it down and your friends are going to remember when you talked smack about Yep. romantic interest yep. and then they'll never forget it that's the problem is anytime anybody comes to me for like a relationship like with relationship quandaries yeah. uh I, my advice is only just break up with them yeah which isn't productive it's right. probably not the right thing yeah. to say if you're thinking of giving therapy a try better help is a great option it's convenient accessible affordable and entirely online get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey and switch therapists anytime when you want to be a better problem solver therapy can get you there visit betterhelp.com whitney today to get 10 percent off your first month. I just want to get healthy enough in therapy to be able to fire my therapist if I need to. That's betterhelp.com slash Whitney. Back to Mo. Mo Mo. (laughs) 
I remember when I was in college, getting up, like going to like a coffee shop, Wawa or whatever in oh. Philadelphia, and going in, and I hadn't washed my face. I was in pajamas, and someone goes, "Is that Vix?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, this is I'm not getting away with this. Shit is so potent." Um, I love that though. It's so good. I kind of am a fan of it. Uh, no, I love it. I love. I, fan, I like. I like people that have like little quirks like that. It's just I like it. What are your little quirks? Do you have any that like? I'm sure I can't pinpoint them right now. I like, I'm one. just organized. Like I really like things in their space. Like I just really drives me crazy if they're not. Mm-hmm. And like, like a, a room being dirty or like when I get to the hotel, yeah. even if I'm there for like four days doing on tour, I'll make sure to unpack mm-hmm. and I, every everything is in its own. Same. Pa- like I have like little muji pouches, mm-hmm. pants or anything, underwear, socks, everything has its own, yeah. even the shoes. Like the big thing for me is just like shoes. shoes. And you see it in my show where I'm yes. constantly like this. These are brand new shoes. So but I just me- like feel okay wearing them in the house. Can I just yeah. ask you about the shoe thing? Like yeah. guys in shoes. I have a bunch of friends that are sneaker heads. It's like, it, do you have your out, you're going out shoes and yeah. you're, I know I'm going to stay in shoes because I've made the mistake of stepping on a new, I didn't like you, I feel like we need a, like a sticker or something yeah. that's like, these are new. Yeah. You let me, you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to hug you if they're new. It's right. almost like sneakerheads have always had the six feet rule. Well, I don't have the same attachment as they do to it. Like I just, well. Thankfully, I'm in a position where people are just sending me shoes all the fucking yep. time. Like, it's not a problem. I, I buy some. My Air Force ones. <laughs> if, yeah, I don't, where I, are you there, getting there, them colors? Are I'm you a, buying them? I'm a easy guy. I'm a easy guy all the way. I wear them. They're the most comfortable fucking shoe. Yep. Like, Kanye hacked the whole system. Yep. He just made, like, designer orthopedics. The guy's a fucking genius. <laughs> like, who? why would you wear anything else? Like, that will be in never style. Never dunked a basketball in his life. <laughs> outsold Jordan. How? Designer orthopedics. That's how. And by the way, fucking amazing shoes that will always stay in style because they've never Forever. been in style ever. Exactly, exactly. He's just like from a different planet. Did you see I the documentary, it. the Netflix documentary on him? Yes. Oof. The amazing. way that he said this was incredible and changed my life. The way when he's talking to some of the designers and he says like everything is has to be intentional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like everything has to be purposeful and intentional instead of just we're gonna slap this here and slap this yeah. here. You know, it's that going the extra mile. That obsessiveness is yeah. what I think makes greats. Yeah. No, absolutely. He has a really great sense of humor. I was in the room when he gave Dave the unreleased, he gave Chappelle his unreleased, but like took him off of his feet uh, and gave him to Dave. He's like, what size do you wear? And they wore the same size shoe, 12. And he took him off of his feet and gave him to Dave. And he goes, and he put him on Dave and he starts feeling on the tip of the shoe. He's like, see that? See that? This GPT technology. He's like, what's that? He goes, getting pussy technology, right? <laughs> 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 and it was just like I just saw this very sweet moment where he literally gave the shoes off of his feet to his friend because he had Nikes on. He's like, take, take them off, and he gave it to him. And then Kim was like texting to get him another pair of shoes. And for the rest of the time, like at the show, he's walking around just with socks because he wouldn't put on Dave. She's like, Dave, you could have my. Dave was trying to give him his shoes. He's like, I don't want those. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> You're like, but those it, are the lemons. Those are the yeah, irregulars. Those are the lemons, but it's just so sweet to see somebody like do that mm-hmm. to his friend for his friend. Like, no, I want you to have these. And he just takes them off of his feet and gives it to him. It was just really, really dope That is really to see touching, that. but also billionaires can do that. 
Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Billionaires can absolutely do that, but most won't. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. That is true. Most won't. It just tells like his upgrade, his spirit, his heart. And yes, he has. And we all, yeah. this sounds, you know, maybe a little nuts when I say it. And I know I get people get mad at me sometimes because they think I'm defending problematic comedians or something. But I just like to really parse out and going like, no matter how much you hate a comedian, no matter how much you hate an artist, no matter how mad you are at Kanye for whatever he said when he was having, you know, uh, obviously psychologically struggling. Like yeah. we were bullying someone yeah. with major psychological struggles. Sure. No matter how much you hate a comedian, artist, they still get up every morning trying to make someone they have never bring joy to someone they have never met whether they don't know how the per- the people voted they don't know how our only goal is to make a stranger have joy right. and we get it wrong sometimes and we don't yeah. always deliver and that's not you know things change and comedy is fashion but it's like yeah. you know any even even problematic tv shows and in and romantic comedies this sort of like new trend of like friends but can we agree that friends was a little racist or can we agree <laughs> yeah. that you know uh uh you know these romantic comedies gave us toxic ideas of what relationships should look like it's also like whatever the guy that wrote that romantic comedy that you think is such a sexist asshole right. he was just not loved by his parents he had trauma he's just trying to get love and make strangers laugh and right, he right, you know right. what i mean it's like sometimes it doesn't also always... they bought it hollywood bought it and made it mm-hmm. like if you want to just like nitpick on every single thing like just look at the history of hollywood like Built on think, the back of a toddler named Shirley Temple. Right. Built on the shoulders of a child. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, this is the kind of thing, like, wait, what are we doing? Yes, yes. Like, everything has become so inverted. But We're I, like, hey, hey, respect this, respect that. I can wear what I, I can do that. And, and, and then you have, like, a hyper-sexualized world where a kid can fucking Google anything and just be, just introduced to all this pornography, all mm-hmm. this stuff. But it's like, hey, we got to respect women. This is what we're going to do. And then all of a sudden, porn is, like, completely open and you can do that and you know most of these women don't like i'm sure that the vast majority don't want to fucking do this mm-hmm. and are put in positions that they don't no pun intended that yeah. they don't want to be in you know like it's just it mm-hmm. i just don't understand what the hell is going on like, yeah i there's, really don't it's like an inverted great, reality there's a great talk this woman um gail dines uh talks about this and there's a great book called porn nation that i think is my la- uh, two specials ago I, I i talked a lot about porn but um is that it used to be like you know even when you were growing up probably like it is normal for a 10 11 12 year old boy to want to see boobies that's yeah. normal that's that's healthy, whether it's like, you know, the uh, a bathing suit catalog or, you know, best case scenario, you find your dad's Playboy and you see boobies and, you know, Big Bush. When I came to America, I was so innocent and the preservation of my innocence of children was so important from where I came from. And I ended up in Houston and when I was 10 years old, we're in an apartment complex. They weren't there too long, thankfully. And this kid was like, let's go. Uh, you know, uh, something about Playboy. That's all I heard. But I was so innocent. I was like, oh, we're just going to go play. That's all I think. We're a bunch of boys and we're going to go play. And we get to his house. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, why are we in the closet? It's weird. And then he takes out his dad's Playboy. And I just freaked the fuck out. Ah, what is this? Titties. Oh my God. <laughs> like, I just, I was so shy and mortified. But I was also happy that yeah, I yeah, saw yeah. it. But just very confused. Your like, this is horrible. They have you. Yeah, this is horrible. This is a disgusting. <laughs> I'm taking these the, away. Yeah, yeah. No one. Yeah. It was just really weird for me. It was just like scary because I just never was introduced to anything like that. 
ever. That is wild. But like, now yeah. that's best case scenario. And then you figure it out and whatever. But now if, if that was, if you were nine years old today, you go, you know, I'm going to just go on Google and Google boobies, you yeah. know? But when you Google boobs or sex, fisting comes, you know. I can't do it. And then that would be Scary. someone's first introduction. They think that's what sex is. That shouldn't be Insane. the first thing you see. Insane. You know, so it's like. I haven't like, watched porn in like over seven plus years. I don't know how long it's been now. I just like completely cut it out of my life. Just wasn't, was there and a it wasn't conscious... never like I had an addiction or I didn't have like, oh, I gotta do this to get, no, it was just like ridiculous. Like, what am I doing? This is, I'm having, first of all, I'm a really imaginative person. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need, mm-hmm. like, I, that's what I do. Like, yeah. I create scenarios in I my I love head. the idea that you're watching a porn just, and you're like, I could do this I could better. do, I could do head. this better. This storyline the is that You're yeah, a writer. Is, uh, for writers and yeah. performers, you're always like, this is the best. You had this one single? It? This There's is no it? coverage on this? <laughs> yeah, no, what <laughs> This is backlit. Why you didn't we, come in dirty over this? This would have been great. You couldn't cover up the bruises? No, this is too much, you know? I just, I just was it was a moment where i was just like looking through like fucking trying to watch a movie on netflix like couldn't make it i'm like what am i doing what am i doing this could be done in 30 seconds yep. like what the fuck am i doing and there's and, also- it, and then i was just at home just channel surfing and the next you know it's like romantic comedy comes on and it's just a regular kiss happens and i was just excited I was like, oh, I'm a kid again. This is fucking awesome. It's just like cleansing whatever bullshit was that I was watching. I, was I like, feel Ugh. like I can't be the... Pr- I've talked about porn so much because I think, it, I think, you know, it... it I never want to be the person that's like, porn's bad because it's bad for men and women. Ever. Some of it, not all of it, whatever. Um, I don't want to get too black and white about it. But yeah. like when a guy says it, it's like, you know that is always so healing because it's like it hurts men yeah you know almost probably maybe even like women have always been objectified way before porn when people say that like the sex robots are coming they're gonna objectify women that's already been fucking happening you know what i mean and uh actually men treat the women that are ostensibly objectified way better than actual objects have you seen the way that men treat porn stars at like porn conventions it's like they they treat the quote objectified women actually better yeah and then they treat actual women and robots are right. you know they're very delicate with them the men that have robots and sex robots and stuff so that's just an interesting irony but just the idea of that like guys it's harder and harder to enjoy sex like you're making sex worse for yourself exactly. when it actually happens it was worse for me it was absolutely worse when i was watching porn mm-hmm. it's not it just was different my whole relationship with it was just different it wasn't it wasn't healthy it mm-hmm. just i knew something was wildly off and i just can't do this anymore it's probably better for me and also like instagram is porn enough for it's me there's enough. like like it's all i need like how much do i need there's like string bikinis now it's not even a bikini there's like a lace necklace going down her ass crack this is all i need like this is fine She's making that her ass felt clap. like bridal lingerie. This was just like phenomenal. I'm learning more about your game. I'm just, it, it comes up and I click on one, like, hey, whoa, this pops up. And then all of a sudden, it's all I want to see. That's- I got to like buffer, I got to like start looking up cat videos just to calm it down, you know? Like for real, this shit was weird. Just one thing, it's like, whoa. Mm-hmm. And I indulge just for a second and it's a whole fucking situation now on my IG. Like I got to filter this out. I got to look at we kids getting hurt. I got to watch kids getting hurt or something for a hot minute. Just to, to kind of change this up. Yeah, this is wild. 
So it's like, I don't need more than that. It is, yeah. We're desensitizing ourselves. I also seem like, you seem like, I hope this doesn't come off wrong because I know that this is a, tr- a tricky word for people, but you you strike me as someone, I'm very proud to be a sensitive person. The word empath, and I don't mean it as sensitive as in like reactive and like emotional. I mean like yeah. you absorb people. Very much. Comedians, we absorb people's energy. It's why part of the reason I can't live too far into the city or New York, I walk three blocks and I like feel yeah. sadness. I feel a heaviness. Yeah. Like I just feel like I take on people's energy and when I'm watching porn I'm like I don't know it's a lot. she I feels like she's are they you know I don't know maybe she should call her dad and maybe yeah, it's a I lot. just I start like it's, tell, a lot. I, it's well, too I, much I read a lot about it and I started reading about it and just so much in so many injections and medicine they have to take and Ooh. and like to maintain an erection for they have to do like most of them don't feel anything anymore like it's so fucking weird I was like yo I can't touch this thing and i am a sensitive person mm-hmm. like i'm sensitive to people's energy yeah that's what it is i'm very sensitive to it i can feel it that's why like i you know if it's not right it's not right and you that's just walk what makes away. great comedians and because you feel yeah, something's weird in it's this an room. antenna it's an antenna we all have an antenna mm-hmm. some people's antenna is more sensitive it can pick up a lot more than most mm-hmm. so it's just like i do have that where and i and i have proof where i've left a space and some horrible shit has happened minutes after i left mm. like it's happened a lot of my life actually and azar who i traveled the world with doing stand-up he uh i would always tell him like man i'm assessing the situation right now it's not good we should leave right now i would always say that to him. he's like you're always saying this to me and he just started getting in my face about it and he's like bro you're always right though like it, it's a high percentage of where you're you're batting a high percentage here like you really get it and it's just being in tune to what's around you and like even after performance and you have all these people 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 forget, like, they could project onto you. Like, the evil eye is actually a real thing. Right. There's a reason why it's existed for so long. Like, there's energy coming at you, whether it's jealousy or or they're into you or not into you or whatever it is. Want something That's from a you. thing, yeah. you know? People forget. Like, you walk around outside, you grab a towel, you wipe your face, you can get shit on your feet, you have filth all over you. Like there's like this dark spot on this towel. Mm-hmm. The same thing can happen. There's spiritual illnesses that can be projected upon you. It happens. I ca- and emotional sh- contagion. Yeah. And washing is a reason why you feel so good after you wash. Yeah. And my teacher taught me, he's like, yeah, after you perform or do that, you have so many thousands of people looking at you at any given night. You go home. You should cleanse. You yeah. should like mm-hmm. take a shower. You should like meditate. You should have time for yourself and do that. May- probably a lot of people do that subconsciously. They don't even know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. but they know they feel better right. there's something about water something about like purifying yourself mm-hmm. and just getting into a right space after you had so many people engaged and people want your energy too hey can i take a picture hey what's going on ah oh, right. man big fan oh you know da, da, da. and you have to like pay attention to them i want i'm interested but you're not just getting that you're i i get sort of a different thing but it's dude you Save my life. I mean, you. I, yeah. I imagine you get such heavy stuff of, oh, this Super is a story of my, yeah. yeah, so yeah. you have people, it's not like, all right, cool, man, yeah, yeah, It's like, yeah. you know, I think that when you've chosen the path of radical honesty and I'm gonna share my trauma with the world to help heal, you're also gravitating people that are coming up to you in tears and you're just like, I have so little to give, but I wanna hold this space for you. What's my yeah. responsibility to you? And right. it's taken me a long time to realize like I can just sit and I can just listen and I can yeah. like say thank you. For sure. And that's enough. Yeah. Because I we have such finite energy yeah. and this is 
to me when I see comedians that are you know sick and dealing with depression and anxiety and stuff like that it's like we're so grateful to finally have fans and finally have people appreciate what we do but we try so hard to give so much back sorry I have like a pube in my eyeball no, um, uh, what is happening that's a good Monday this is not it's, no. this is you know I feel so guilty because my hair extensions are Russian are they yes they I, I'm not a they make good <sighs> they're Ukrainian I know okay so that. next no. yeah, but they will be I stand with Ukraine Whoa. but these hair extensions the hair probably are Russian to. that's why this, it's invading my face that's right now that's so funny um, but uh but yeah, being able to go like, I don't have to feel guilt if I can't meet and greet every single person. But I also really fucking want to, you know? I think that it's like... Um, I have a Muhammad Ali rule about this. Tell me. Make time for everybody. You punch him in the face. Oh. Yeah, no. <laughs> Someone's too close, hit yeah. him in the face. <laughs> I'm too pretty for this. No, I, I make time. I try to make time for everybody. Yeah. As much as possible. Unless they're being like over the top. Yeah. Annoying. And they're like now they're just like can't see themselves and right, just right. being too or much. Or sometimes they But just... even then I try. You know, I try. I try, try, try. Like it's really, really important to me because he's such a big um, influence in my life and I just see him as just a, somebody who's done it on the highest level where in his sport but also maintain his integrity as who he is and what he believed. And I mean, look at all his interviews. Nobody talks like that on television. Yeah, wild. It's fucking amazing. So I, I and, he, and I, all I heard about him, and I know his uh, daughter, Maymay, who gave me the picture of Muhammad, like a, a picture of Muhammad Ali. He was doing this in a photograph on top of the mountain. We see it in episode eight. And there was a picture of me as a child doing the same thing. Oh. It just made me feel so, we put it, we cut it into the show. And you can't, like, unless you're looking for it, you won't really see it. But it was just some somebody I really looked up to, maintain his integrity, maintain what he believed in, was so steadfast and everything. And then like learn little magic tricks so he can entertain kids when they walk up to him. Like he was just amazing. I think I forgot who was telling the story. Um trying to who's the boss? Who's the who's the lead in that? While you're thinking uh about this, there was an open mic comic who used to do a joke like fifteen years ago when I went to a Bruce Springsteen concert and Tony Danza was there and I looked at Tony them, Danza and I was like, Dang, who's the boss? Yeah. <laughs> No, but Tony Danza, who I was thinking about, he saw Muhammad Ali signing autographs and this and that, and he, he you know, he whispers in Muhammad Ali's ear, like, you want me to get you out of here, or something like that, or, uh, you know, like, you okay? He's like, why are you doing this? And Muhammad Ali whispered in his ear, he goes, I'm trying to get into heaven. I just want to get into heaven. That's it. And he was just like, whoa. It just put everything in perspective. The guy did not care, man. Made time for everybody. Well, here's what it is. To me, it's the antidote for all of the resentment and the anger that not only comedians have, but everyone has now, which is no one wants us to say anything. Everyone's trying to censor us. And everyone hates comedians. And everyone thinks we're right. And then you talk to people and you're like, none of that's true. This is To me, it's also collecting the data that inspires me and keeps me courageous and sure. keeps me going and keeps me out of the narrative of like, people don't like me because I'm a girl. I'm this. I'm the And I'm Twitter and whatever. Because people from Twitter don't come to shows. They're not comedy fans, right. you know? So it reminds me like what comedy fans are like and in general in this moment where we all have so many excuses to be misanthropic and isolated everyone's racist everyone's an asshole everyone's a piece of garbage just go talk to three people every day feedback from the people that are your 
consumers. After shows, I have a, I haven't been great at this, but just because that. it just requires. Yeah, the, I heard about this. But I just no, just talking to everyone is just so hard, especially when you have two shows a night. Yep. So I usually come out after the second show and I let it just kind of wind down as much as possible because it's so much energy. And I, as a rule, basically when I'm on the road, I, I'm freestyling mm-hmm. my sets. You know, I'm like working it out and just like freestyling. Um, like hours at a time I'm just trying to get the shit together especially when I first go out just like all these ideas everywhere and then it's just like just go up there and just talk bro see what happens how often do you go back to the Middle East to perform um usually like a once a year because I've been doing shows there since like 2006 Mm -hmm. I was like one of the first the first thing Arab American to ever perform in Egypt um as a comedian that was crazy and then I went back every year and then the revolution happened and I obviously couldn't go back to Egypt specifically but I go I go pretty often the last time was in 2019 mm-hmm. you know and then the pandemic I was supposed to do shows after that no I went back I did shows in Dubai in October of 2021 this is mine it's so yeah. dark I can't believe it's in here so yeah. when I 12 13 years ago I yeah. went and performed in Dubai I went to I performed in Dubai a couple times but uh, Ahmed Ahmed yeah. put together that tour. It was me yeah. and Sebastian Maniscalco and I think Kirk Fox and Tommy Davidson. Like just random groups we would go over there. Right, right, right. And I just want to tell you this one story because it's so embarrassing. But I think that I won't be able to make eye contact after. Yeah. So let's let's go for it. So um, I'm going to uh, perform in Dubai at the time. You know, my concept of that area is not only what I've seen in, you know, racist movies and, you know, that kind of bullshit and post 9-11, everything that happened, you know, in America, but also like, you know, this there's an absence also of knowing really much of anything, you know, I'm going, but also everything everybody said to me before going over. I also was like, oh, well, Dubai, it's fine. Right. Like. And then everyone's like, well, you're going to go do comedy over there? Like, are you going to, what are you, you going to be okay? Yeah, like, how, horrible, right? you know, and like, you know, yeah. you had to learn to bob and weave. And like, yeah. <laughs> everyone was so, which the irony in looking back is that people do that about, you know, everywhere. They're, you know, uh, extremely racist in that area. Because like, I'm going to Florida. They're like, well, watch for the Gators and watch for the race. Yeah. You know, it's like, everyone makes you fun of You got a lot that. more to worry about in Florida than you ever do in Dubai. <laughs> One of the safest places in the world. And also Medina, Saudi Arabia, the safest place for women on planet Earth. Dubai? According to like an independent travel insurance website by white people tell you like Medina specifically in Saudi Arabia is the safest place on planet Earth for women. Fascinating. Like, so Dubai? <laughs> like, shut the fuck Dubai, up. Dubai, <laughs> I literally was like... Uh, uh, you know, I came prepared. I'm like, do I need to bring bear spray? Like the yeah. way people were talking to me about yeah. it. I, I walking around alone. Not only was did no one even flirt. Guys wouldn't even make eye contact with me. And I started being like, am I what? And yeah. they're like, oh yeah, that's disrespectful. Like a man's yeah. not just gonna look at you. You know. Yeah. So there was that. And then also, yeah, Dubai is the safest place on. The, it's like Disneyland. Yeah. Uh, you know. But going over there, I was sort of like trying to figure out this moment of okay I'm performing in Dubai they said they're like Whitney Cummings is the first female comedian to ever perform in the Middle East I'm like that's hilarious you know there were many 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 (laughs) that either weren't you know so I'm sort of fascinated by female there's also singers like Um Kalthum was like an icon she is an icon was an icon um, in the Middle East phenomenal like singing poetry she would like have these like 45 minute songs like it was just like stories to the point where like wars would stop she was singing live on the radio. It's just like 
just to explain how important she was to the culture. Can you say her name one more time? M. Kalthum. I don't even know how you spell that phonetically. Um, um, oh, I see, I see. Kulthum, yeah. She and always used to hold a handkerchief in her hand when she sang. But she's an icon, absolute icon, Something legend. we would never, like, I yeah. don't know when that would have come up for us unless you're yeah. in, like, Middle Eastern but musical comedian, studies. But comedian, yeah, it doesn't happen. Like, that doesn't happen. It is very rare for a, a female comedian to perform in the Middle East. Not anymore. Yeah. But definitely still like, whoa, you know, it's a thing. Yeah, it was. that happens. And they do look away. It's like an Islamic thing to, mm-hmm. it's a Muslim thing to kind of respect and not, you know, ogle a woman. Like, oh, just look at her down the street. And like, I'm not supposed like to do that. thinking I'm at my hottest. I'm yeah. like, catch it, catch Nothing. The no. more they resist, the probably the, the hotter you are. Oh, yeah, true. just that fly. That's here too, right? Just that fly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, wait. Yeah. Okay, I get yeah. it now. All right, yeah. So I wrote about this um, in my book. It's like the final chapter of my book because it's the most embarrassing story. And I thought, like, maybe people don't finish it. You know, uh, they'll miss this part because I went to one of the malls in Dubai. I'm kind of like walking around alone, just exploring. You know, my brother ended up living in Dubai for like 10, 15 years. So I, we spent yeah. a lot of time over there he works, yeah he works in the middle east like he yeah. um for a bank in the middle east and so uh uh i see these i see many women in the garb the full garb older women and yeah. you know i'm like that tracks makes sense okay whatever i've you know don't know enough about it but i do know that if you're older like that ship sailed or whatever yeah. and then i see these younger girls they're in like short shorts and tank tops like you know 20 year old girls and yeah. with heels the purses everything oh yeah yeah american neck down or whatever like would make perfect sense in a mall a mall of america right. and then had the hijab on right so my brain ignorant american doesn't know shit does not know the least i'm like i have to help them yeah <laughs> Like they're young, the older women, like that, I'm not going to convince them. Yeah, you know, yeah. they're Americanized on some, they probably speak English. They looked at you and they were like, we need to help her. I, yeah, oh no, exactly. it was, no, they do that. Oh, that's, oh, it was so bad. Yeah. I went up to them because I'm like, I'm like, should I, could I get extra flights home? Like, oh, yeah. how could oh. I get them? Like, are they okay? I gotta get them out. Yeah. Are they being trafficked? <laughs> that's like, so I don't know. The opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the entire yeah. time when you're walking around the Middle East, you're just getting so hot and sunburned. You're like, I wish I just had a thin, like, if there was like a thin <laughs> veil. The veil, yeah. You could just put over your skin. Yeah, exactly. Well, that would be amazing, <laughs> amazing you know. Yeah. And so, yeah, we forget about like the sun protection of it and yeah. all that. But so I went up to them and I just went for it. I was like, you know, the full American arrogance, thinking I'm like a hero. And amazing. I'm also trying to get jokes before the show. You I would know love to have seen that, to be a fly on a wall <laughs> to see this thing happen. It was... Yeah, you know me a little bit. Yeah. I, speech. I'm not. It's hard to make me like speechless. Yeah. It's rare I don't have some kind of comeback. I yeah. was. So I go up to them and I was like, "Hey, girls! Like, I'm. My name is Whitney. I'm. You know, from America. They're like, "Yeah, we know. I mean, like. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I just want to make sure, like, you're okay. Like, I don't. Like, it was literally like. Uh, you know in airports where it says like, like if you've been trafficked call tra- this number like I didn't have a plan so funny and they literally like looked at me and I was like like no, didn't say anything mm. so I'm like oh they don't speak English and I was like I America <laughs> me and they're like well actually Whitney and we've they, been no, here for a long no, time they just were yeah. letting me finish because they're like oh no no go this yeah, happens yeah, yeah. just three or four times a day yeah. by American women so they were like we just want to they were like um, so here's the deal 
Yeah. We are not oppressed. Yeah. Uh, we actually think that women in America are oppressed mm-hmm. because your appearance is your only value. Yeah. And you have one of the highest plastic surgery rates in the world yeah. and the highest eating disorder rates. And wow. we do not define ourselves through our body and our appearance. That's what you guys do. Yeah. So we choose to do this mm. for this, this, and this reason. And I was right. like, you've been brainwashed. Yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what they <laughs> told you to say. say. Yeah, yeah. So now that no one's around, yeah. what's the truth? Like, it's a form of protection. Like, It's mm-hmm. a form of also a protection aside from that. It's like, it's a conserving yourself. So you don't have the issue of like l- being looked at, stalked, whatever. This whole idea of like, yeah, but men should control themselves. Well, some of them obviously cannot, mm-hmm. you know, and they should. Absolutely, I agree with that. There's no doubt. Mm-hmm. But this is like really tricky waters. The fact that you're just wearing pants where it just goes into your butt crack and it just shows the shape. Yeah, people are going to look, bro. Just it's even distra- if it's not attractive, By the way, guess what? it's distracting. To women too. Yes. Women check out women too. Yeah, for sure. So, exactly. You know, so it's like now we're, we're Americans are slowly catching up to it. You you go you go into a coffee bean in L.A. Mm. Full pajamas, flip flops, hat. You're like, right. that's doing the same thing. Right. It it's is just distra- ugly. Yes, yes. Do you know what I mean? You're. You well, know. now it's like biker shorts and like bras, sports mm-hmm. bras. Right. That's like the thing now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was this such a profound moment, and for me, it's 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 embarrassing that it got to this, you know, and um, you know, but I just was like, oh, is the only way to heal this for people to actually visit here? Like, mm-hmm. there was this amazing uh, a friend of mine, Yashar Ali, is um Iranian, and he posted the other day. Uh, it was like a juxtaposing what people think Iran looks like versus Iran. It looks yeah. like New York City, but yeah, what exactly. people think Iran looks like, it was like a, mm-hmm. you know, just like a box or something, you know? That's right. But it's important to have people thinking this way so you can drive political objectives, mm-hmm. right? You yeah. can dehumanize Keep some them people, make them less right. and then you can just go pummel the shit out of them, yeah. right? I mean, this happened to me when I was touring in South Africa. Before I left, everyone was scared. Like, don't go, oh my God, this is going to happen. South Africa, it was like 2007, I think. Mm-hmm. And he, they were just like, don't go. This is so it's so dangerous in South Africa, blah, blah, blah. And it got in my head, but it didn't. I was like, get out of here. You know, I'll be yeah. fine. And we land. I landed in Joburg and with the driver, we pull up to the hotel. I'm getting out of the car to grab my luggage. And then all of a sudden, explosions. We're like, what the fuck? Even the driver's like, oh, shit. And we just get under the car. We're on the side, breathing heavily. More explosions. I was like, oh, shit. They were right. They were so fucking right. And all of a sudden, we hear, cut. All right. It was a great take. It was fucking filming a movie down the street. I think it was like Blood Diamond filming down the street. I was like, god damn, they got me. You know, not the the movie, That's incredible. not the movie shoot, incredible. but these bastards totally put this in my head. I bought into it, and this is embarrassing. I fled war. This is nothing. <laughs> well, yeah, it's also like when people you can go there, it's dangerous. It's yeah. like where a high school in America. Yeah, exactly. High school, a elementary middle school. Elementary. Yeah, it's disgusting. But that's what is important. South Side of Chicago. I know it's hard Chirac. to say that, but I think it's important in this time of like challenging what you've been taught and what you've been indoctrinated with. It's like why do we think that the you know that is more dangerous than the school down the street? Yeah. If we 
humans, I guess, we, and this is what I want to ask you before I let you go, is just like what you've learned about human nature, what we all have in common in a good way and a bad way of like, we have this incredible ability to tell ourselves stories that aren't true. We have this incredible ability to eschew data that is not convenient for what our narrative is of they're bad, we're good. You know, terror management theory, the Ernest Becker book has really helped me with that because I, it helps me have compassion for people that you're like, how could you believe this is true? You know, like, how could you think that, how could you go, don't go to South Africa, man, this is gonna be really dangerous when there's shootings in America, you know, what, how, what do our brains, um, why do they need to lie to themselves? It's catastrophizing. Yeah. That word changed my life, really. Catastrophizing. catastrophizing. It's a psychological term where you just like project things into the world where you think, oh my God, I'm going to be late uh, to this meeting. Uh-huh. Everybody's going to be waiting on me. I'm going to be in so much trouble. Everything's fucking, you get there and you're the only person there. Yep. Just creating these scenarios in your mind that are completely not true. And then somehow like- Preparing for the worst. Preparing for the worst. But you've had the worst. You've, that was, you got that honestly. Yes. And it's like, through that experience has taught me to also not catastrophize like hey man whatever happens happens mm-hmm. like what's written for you is truly what's written for you mm-hmm. like, I'm a prime example of that and, I, and just traveling the world I've been like about 50 countries and just seeing everybody is the same mm-hmm. everyone's struggling everyone's trying to figure out their way we're all floating on this ball in the middle of space, trying to figure the shit out. Everybody has an issue at home. There's something. Even the ones that are super happy, they're bearing something yeah. deep down. Mm-hmm. People are the same, just speaking different languages, but still communicate in a in a really profound way. Like I've talked to somebody that we didn't even speak each other's language at all, but somehow communicate with each other. A woman. No. Okay. Well, yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. that <laughs> also happened. To yeah. A woman? yeah, no, that happened. That happened too. But I also like, I did this thing in Durban, South Africa, which is supposed to be like one of the most dangerous cities in South Africa. It was middle of night. And I want to go buy cigarettes, and um, the security guard is like, "Don't go, bro. I buy you the cigarettes. Don't go." I was like, "No, I'm good. I wore the shirt, long sleeve shirt. It had Iman written in Arabic, which means faith. I put on a kufi." Which is like very traditional, you know, like I'm Muslim, my Muslim uniform right now. I'm going out and I'm going to go buy cigarettes after 11 o'clock. And the guy's like, please, bro, don't go. He's like begging me. I was like, nah, man, I'm going to go. Just leave me alone. I'll be fine. And I left. And I figured out really quickly. It's like I could see why he was telling me not to go. But I just went. And I was so well received. Like people would tell me, and next thing you know, I was gone for like three hours end up hanging out with these guys on milk crates in the slums, mm-hmm. like in a slummy area, not even the full slums, but not good. And we were just smoking. First time I've been uh, uh, introduced to Durban Poison, which is like a really well-known weed uh, strain. I just sat there and smoked weed with them to like almost two-something in the morning. The doorman must have been so worried. The security guard was mortified i come back he's like brah and i'm high as shit like just like brah what you doing to me brah you my responsibility huh hectic brah why you do this to me i was like what relax man you're the only person that's relax. yelling at me yeah, I, guess out there. I was worried to come home yeah, I was exactly. worried to come home gonna- me. <laughs> he was just so blown away by it he was just like, wow, I think it's like the energy you put out is really important. That's it. 
and you can't just roll in like i didn't go to that neighborhood with my rolex and mm -hmm. you know flossing with my new shoes no i just went as me stripped down and just be my nothing what are you gonna mm -hmm. steal you're gonna kill me what what are you gonna take from me you have nothing and it's also like this is and it's you know we'll talk about another time if you're interested in the equine therapy stuff and that's why for me working with prey animals that's what helped me understand like mm -hmm. the energy that you are putting out is you know 70% of communications nonverbal and when we're afraid for ourselves no people just interpret it as fear and fear feels like anger so that yeah. you're walking through with anger and they're like who's the fuck is this guy yeah you know mm -hmm. what i mean so then you're actually that fear is creating the exact thing you're afraid of having you know like it's amazing what you just like dislodged a memory that i've had and this is all like started like my grandfather did this to me i was five years old and i'm at my uncle's house and this snake is coming at me and i just as a kid would scream <laughs> you know <sighs> Mm -hmm. And my grandfather, just with all the precision, comes up, just no hesitation, grabs mm -hmm. a snake, mm -hmm. puts it like right here. He's like, you afraid of this? It's nothing. And he taps my brain like this. He goes, he goes, you have this. You can do anything you want with this. Don't be scared. Think. React. Five-year-old, I'm like, the snake's like, <laughs> <laughs> trying to fucking escape and just changed everything to me and I held it he was like here hold it he was like grab my hand put it right on the ground he's like this is how you control it and if you use your mind you understand how these work and then you release it you don't want to kill it you release it it's not trying to harm you mm -mm. it's scared of you more it's than it's scared of you scared. you just do that and release it I was like oh and then the other one was with bees. I was like mortified of bees. Like, are they gonna sting you? They gonna sting you? And then it was right there. And it was and my my grandfather puts his hand in front of it, lets the bee crawl on his hand, and he's calm. He's mm -hmm. like, see, it's fine. It doesn't want to hurt you because if it stings you, it, it dies. Right. But it won't. But it's about what energy you're giving out. Mm -hmm. If I if I tell it I'm scared of it, then it thinks I'm trying to kill it. Then it'll sting you. But if you're there, and the whole time, he was just crawling his hand, and he put it on my hand, and just crawling on my hand. I was like, oh. Changed everything for me. Like, as far as my relationship with bees or anything. Hornets, fuck those things. Those Hornets things, and I, yellow jackets yeah, yellow jackets suck a dick. Suck a dick. Okay? I'll fuck them up. I, 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 I'll spray them with spray paint, anything <laughs> I got, just see them flap around I'm for like their the lives. I'm like the guy from No Country for Old Men. Uh, with those, yeah, just with straight up. The with the, <laughs> I would murder those but things all day. But it's the narcissism of yeah. fear. Yeah. Of what you just said with the bug. Of when... You know, you move through. And look, I grew up in D.C., rough parts of D.C., you know. Oh, I didn't know that. Cool. D.C., Virginia. I was yeah, West yeah, yeah. Virginia. moved around uh, between um, places. But, you know, to me, it's I've always had such a, uh, this sounds odd, but such a connection to uh, people that are unhoused. My dad always told me, you always uh, uh, stop and you always, if it's some, if you have a pit in your stomach or someone seems dangerous, yep. don't. Otherwise, this person doesn't have time to kill you. The narcissism of I'm going to go out in the world and I'm worth going to jail for. Yeah. So when you go out and be like, I'm going to go in this dangerous area. Oh, so you're the one this person's going to go to jail for. Yeah, exactly. So this person, you like, you think this person mm -hmm. is like waiting for you, the narcissism of it. You know, these right. are people that are just trying to solve their own problems. They're just trying to stay safe themselves. Yeah. You know? 
And so always stop and engage with them, whatever. But what you learn, yeah, from prey animals, anytime, you know, anything you try to control controls you. And what happens with horses, what happens with dogs for the most. So I just put, um, oh, you didn't meet my dog. I have this dog that is a Rhodesian Ridgeback uh, pit bull and everyone is so scared of her, so scared of her. And she's the sweetest little thing. But what happens is people come in, they see her and they go, (gasps) you know, and And then she goes, He's, there must be a threat around. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, exactly. he's, he's scared. Well, this, now I got to solve yeah, this yeah. fucking problem. And then yeah. there's a real reason to be scared because now she, and then he's like, oh, fuck. And he starts running and she's like, well, there's, da- then I got to chase this guy. Obviously he did something wrong. Right. So it's like how we, you know, uh, allow our fear to let us hallucinate and project onto other people. And, you know, that is something that is, is the same with, with horses, you know? So that's why the equine therapy is so powerful because you're able to have a mirror held up to the energy you're giving off when you think you're protecting yourself you're actually putting yourself in more danger by allowing your emotions to control you and so a horse if it's standing near you and you're chilling right and uh a a horse's only real reward is tranquility because they're prey animals they can't they don't need your Mm -hmm. food they can eat grass they're grazers they can get grass whenever they want so if they're hanging out with you it means that you are feeling feelings that will be fun for them to feel too because they're so empathic so the goal is i need to get to a place where my energy feels good to be around I need to feel the feelings that another animal or mammal would want to feel. I can't be like, well, does the horse like me? And I didn't get my selfie. And like, ah, what if I don't, I'm running late? And no one yeah. wants to be around that shit. No. So they move away from you. Or if you're scared of the horse, since the horse has no intention of harming you, if you're scared, it's like... Well, there must be a mountain lion around. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's scared and it right. just becomes this emotional contagion. Absolutely. And I think something that with praying, meditating, these things where you're able to like check in with your brain and have a modicum of awareness of how and go like, oh, that's just fear. Yeah. And when fear is present, clarity can't exist. No other emotion can exist. And my brain can go decide that person's different than me. I'm better than we get drunk on fear and we fucking hallucinate. Well, I also think that people misdefine what's going on with them. They say like, oh, it's fear and it's immediately equals something negative. Mm-hmm. When it could be something actually very positive. Mm-hmm. It could be like, oh man, I'm so scared right now. No, it could be excitement. Mm-hmm. You're just, I'm living my dream. Yeah. I'm backstage at MSG. Yeah, exactly. You're just like, you're just, you're just feeling something and you, and you equate it with something negative when actually something positive. And, and this again, like, I mean, Dave has had a big part of, you know, big influence in my life and has just taught me all these little gems. And he's just like, that's because, you know, whenever I started feeling something heavy and I would sometimes associate it with something negative, he was like, no, it's because you care so much. Mm-hmm. It's about you wanting to to give these people something so good and you're just feeling a little anxiety about that and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Channel that and focus into something that's really positive. And I heard this quote before too, is like instead of like letting fear being your headwind, let it be your tailwind. Mm. Use it as it fuel. Yeah, use it as fuel. Like why giving into it mm-hmm. so easily to be something so negative mm-hmm. when you can truly like drive through it and i i think i've done that a lot in my career but i didn't know i was doing it totally i didn't know i was like yeah fuck it they feel this way i don't care i'm still gonna push through they're not ready for a muslim guy palestinian guy specifically to have his own show onto their they will be one day this story is gonna have to be told and whenever it comes to be time and be super ready mm-hmm. you know i'm gonna have all the it's ready. not about if it's about when when it's about like being prepared for it too and sometimes you can shoot yourself in the foot by not being prepared 
by going, this will never happen, yeah. so I might as well not try yeah. anyway. No, it's writing is my savings The reason account. it's never going to happen isn't because of the Muslim thing. Right. It's because you didn't have the yeah. script. Yeah. You know? So well, I to me, like, I was, man, I would have Jewish comedians that love me and care for me and still friends to me to this day would tell me, change your name, bro. Change your name. Like, you, you're so talented. Just change your name. Don't tell them you're Palestinian. Don't tell them you're Muslim. Like, just change it. And then you'll just get so much work. I'm like, well, this kind of defeats the purpose of why I got into this to And begin not the with. work I'd want not to the, be wa- doing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I could have been an American sniper in 2008. Totally. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I just don't want to sell out. You could have been in every episode I, of 24. You know what I'm saying? Like, I could have easily done that. But that's not something that I'm going to be really proud of. Mm-hmm. I want to create a legacy. I want to inspire kids that come after me like to just be like oh man this guy did it i can do it too and that's something that's really powerful it wasn't the intention Mm -hmm. but i definitely knew that these stories Mm -hmm. were important and had space and whenever it's they're ready for it it'll be timely and timeless if my if i'm gonna keep the last name cummings yeah Right, you're keeping your last name. That's great. <laughs> I didn't get to change. That's mine. why I came to do the podcast. <laughs> I thought you quit porn. <laughs> yeah, I did. That's, <laughs> That's why, why I'm here. <laughs> Four cameras shooting. Yeah, so just, five. And no, I five. think five. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, they always get you with that five. <laughs> the bald five. The bald. I don't even Damn know what you. that's supposed to catch. <laughs> um, and then I'm just gonna and I'm gonna let you go. I swear. I just I'm I'm. Just love I could you. talk to you forever. Uh, ditto, ditto. Yeah. And let's just yeah. let's do it. Um, I always uh, uh, ask in the podcast um, brilliant people that are um, super perceptive and been through a lot. Um, just we're talking about the absence of fear, but also protect yourself and preserve your time and sure. energy. And there are just be uh, there are certain red flags in life that uh, as you get older and wiser, you're like, I just wish I knew at twenty. If someone yeah. talks shit about every one of their exes. that's a red flag you know things like that have you learned in being in business and running a show and you know the 50 countries you've been to just some red flags just in people and there's someone that worked at an actual flag store yeah you he worked at a flag store i did yeah (laughs) and sold red flags after 9-11 yeah a lot of red flags (laughs) Liberia flag was that is look thing. up the uh, uh, is the joke is that Jimmy in your, Kimmel, it's on Jimmy Kimmel yeah, where he yeah, talks yeah. about working in the flag store and that was brilliant. a weird time it was such a weird time what was the question the that question was, is like red flags and people where people yeah. were just now that people want a lot from you we can feel people what's something that makes you you know what or someone yeah usually it's about people who are just like very needy interesting and just like are takers mm-hmm. whether it be something actual physical or spiritual they're just takers I need, 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 need. Give me, give me, give me, give me. And there's like no shame. And so like no regard for how you feel or whatever. It's always really one-sided. And that's like the biggest red flag to me. And also I find with that, it's taken me a while to realize that like a red flag in someone or or, to figure out who someone else is, which we never will, Mm -hmm. you know, we can actually back into it and just go, wait, how do I feel when I'm around this person? So I can't, it's like, is this person needy? Is it not? I can talk myself, we're comedians. I can talk myself in and out of anything. I can defend a criminal. I can, but to go, oh, I just feel depleted after I'm with this person. Yeah, exactly. You know, or I just, I feel like I'm hiding things. Yeah, I just don't want to be around people like that. Yeah, so just like listening to your gut on that because I think it's hard, especially Especially when when I check them. Like if if I at least have a moment with them and I check them and see if like there's any movement at all and if, if they manipulate the conversation to be turning themselves into a victim, I'm out. You know, 
You got to help yourself. I can't help you. You have and got to heal thing. yourself. And yeah. talking about your trauma with other people is not healing your trauma. You're just boring someone else. Yeah. Everyone's got it. it is, yeah. There's this new thing where everyone thinks it's cool to just talk about their trauma all the time. Do it with your therapist. Do it in a 12-step program. Do it on BetterHelp. Whatever the promo code would need. Whatever it is, <laughs> I don't care. But but I think that people are so excited to like have the vocabulary and talk about their trauma now that they're oversharing right. and putting it on other people that are yeah. healing their own shit. Yeah, exactly. Stop projecting. Like fucking work on yourself. You're bombing. Yeah, you're bombing all the time in life, <laughs> you're bro. You're bombing. Not only are you bombing, you're not you're not even giving out that kind of energy. You're just like <laughs> succubus. Just uh-huh. the fuck. I call yeah. them EVs, energy vacuums. Vampires. Okay. Just absolute EVs. Az and I came up with this like real what we call like the realness lexicon. It's just like meta communication. <laughs> And it just helps us communicate about things that we don't have words for. Let's call. Like um, I could pe- be in a conversation with you and just start getting on my phone, but there's no word like I need PT, I need personal time. Sorry, I'm 100% paying attention. I'm actually 95% with you, but 5% here, so I can maintain the conversation. That never happens, and people just sit there and fucking wander, wonder what's going on. So there's like EV energy vacuum. I love. And then that you're- there's a, we have a term called Dutch Nita, who's somebody who's wrong, somebody who knows they're in the wrong, somebody who refuses to admit that they're wrong, wrong and strong, wrong and strong, and they just can't let their ego. Let go of this thing, and they just have to be right. I call that and then podcasters. But there's some people that do feel that way. They have good hearts. Mm-hmm. You just require some kind of effort to help them see themselves. I love yeah. new words yeah. for things that words that don't exist because yeah. the situation never existed before. So my big thing is energy dollars. Yeah, like oh, how cool. many energy that? dollars you have a day. Like no, say you have a hundred energy dollars a day, you have to make sure you're not overspending your energy dollars. You yeah. know, and then if someone is like, oh, do you want to go out to drink? And I'm like, oh, in my head, I'm like, I already spent eighty energy dollars today. I only have right. ten more left. I have to go do my spot, and I'd have to borrow from tomorrow. So like, I don't have any. En- if you say to someone, if you ask me to like do something, and I just go like, I don't have any energy dollars left. It's really hard to That's argue with that. Great. <laughs> I spent all my energy dollars today. I like that. It's almost like you have nothing to do with it. And they're like, yeah. oh, sorry, hey, sorry, man. you're out of energy dollars. <laughs> Wish you would have caught me earlier, but. Dude, I was rolling I gave in energy, a few dollars. energy dollars early. Yeah. I just went a little yeah. nuts with the energy dollars. It's like I give to homeless. And then the next, it's like, bro, I just can't give every single person. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Catch th- me tomorrow, though. By the way, you know I, I mean? just catch you outside. They'll yeah. be outside. Yeah, they'll be outside. <laughs> I'm glad you just said homeless because I feel like someone was like, oh, you have to say temporarily unhoused. Is that and a joke? It's dead serious. That's like your thing now? No. I there, quit. There was <laughs> I quit. I can't <laughs> fucking keep up, but bro. You know what? Doesn't have a goddamn home. He's homeless. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the other temporarily thing. Temporarily unhoused? But I was like, I feel like temporarily unhoused is supposed to make you... The person you saying it yeah. feel better. better. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh, it's just temporary. And the homeless people are like, no, it's no, not. No, I'm homeless, bitch. I'm homeless. I had to <laughs> snort crack cocaine out of people's assholes <laughs> to get this $5. You understand this me? This is not temporary. This is not, bro. This I'm is real. I'm fire. Yes. Shit is real. I have a ring light. If I, I wouldn't have a ring light in my homeless encampment had this, if I thought this was going to end soon. I washed my ass in the bayou, Okay. <laughs> It's a fucking real situation out here. I'm temporarily unhoused. Fuck out of here. Are there anything? Tell that to real homeless people. They'll be like, fuck you, man. I'm homeless. I know. I was trying sleep to sleep under a bridge, here, bitch. People always say, they're like, in LA, the homeless problem, the homeless problem, the homeless, the homeless people. I'm like, if you think the, like that unhoused, 
the real problem in LA is the people with homes, the yeah. housed. Yeah. Those are the ones I'm afraid of. Yeah. <laughs> the people that actually are buying real estate in LA right now. I went to buy a, a, a to look at a house um, and it was whatever it was. And I was like, oh, maybe I should put an offer in. I'm calling to see if, you know, my credit score is, you know, it it can get sketchy as a comedian. Um, and uh, by the time I checked the credit score, it had already been bought in cash for $2 million over in cash. How? And then no one has lived in it for four years. So basically, they just are yeah. putting their yeah. money, money somewhere. Laundry. And yeah. then I found out later, Chris Brown lived next door. So I was like, maybe that's fine. Yeah. But that was, I feel like he's been redeemed. So I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know what that. It's like, I think like it's so interesting to me how like rappers like impervious to cancellation is pretty amazing. Throw some D's on that bitch. Yeah, pour some D's Who on Who let the dogs bitch. out? And I mean, like, like, you guys, don't punch down. Yeah, exactly. I'm not saying Nobody. cancel rappers. I'm just saying comedians, don't come for us. It's just weird. Mm -hmm. This is the odd time. Like, Snoop Dogg is the most uncancelable motherfucker <laughs> on, on planet, the planet. Earth. He went off on Gail King calling, you yeah. bitch ass cunt. Like, I don't know what he didn't say. Yeah. Like, he left it all out there. And then all of a sudden he's doing a Corona commercial. I'm like, how, how? are you doing this? It's amazing. <laughs> he's like, and at Kaiser Permanente. Yeah, you're like, what? what? How he's is he at the top of the list of all these? He's invincible. Not only is he invincible, he's there to repair brand names. COVID and mm. coronavirus was such a big thing. Dude. Corona beer was having a meeting like, who can fix this? And some guy's like, senor, yo pienso Snoop Dogg. <laughs> Is a persona for this and Bad Bunny put Bad Bunny and Snoop Dogg in a Corona commercial. This will fix it all. No, he fucking amazing. He uncanceled the Olympics. Larry Nasser molested hundreds of girls, mm. and they're like, "What do we do? No one's gonna watch the Olympics." And they're and like, it, "Snoop Dogg is gonna comment on the horses." Yes, it'll be great. <laughs> and he's bring in like, "Kevin, great, bring Kevin, Kevin or, or Snoop." Snoop Dogg's watching dressage, and the the horse <laughs> gets a they get a trophy, and the, there's like the jockey shouldn't Genius. get the trophy, the horse should get it. Yeah. Water That's under it. the bridge. That's it. A That's hero. It. That's it. A legend. How? It's a incredible. Legend. It's incredible. I think when you know someone's heart. Yeah. That's what it is. And that's why when I'm like... Oh, Snoop has a great heart. If someone's going to come for... That's my thing now, is that when people are worried about getting canceled, I'm like, why are you worried? Yeah. You know? Like, there's a point where it's like, people know your character or they don't. And right, I'm like... Exactly. And I, I'm kind of at a point where I'm like, you fuck with me or you don't. I have no secrets. I've yeah. said a lot of crazy shit. Right. I, in the context of joke, if you... You just don't like me. Yeah, exactly. And that's okay. Like, don't try to pretend it's like punching yeah. down or offensive. You just don't like me and that's fine. You don't... Yeah. You know? But I think that I'm also at a point where I'm like, you know my character, you know my heart, and we all know. We yeah. know Snoop has a good heart we can't explain why it's the heart for sure and also like expecting anybody to be perfect is just outrageous and we know his circumstances outrageous. and we know his story yeah it's just sort of like um you know there is it is funny when someone clearly is a piece of garbage but we're like god like r kelly it was just like the jams yeah. the jams are so good just, yeah you know so but you know, it is that is really interesting. We focus so much on the people that do get quote unquote canceled and the ones that don't and why, you know, you're like, because I do think there's a lot of people that have ill will and then something. Well, also, kinda, like, I'm sure business interests are being preserved, like, also, mm -hmm. you know, like, I think a corporations lot of, that are like making so much money off a particular individual that's gotten so big and so strong, yeah, that's doing really terrible things on the side. And then they're protected, protected, protected. And then when they've taken every single penny that they could out of this person, mm -hmm. then they're like, okay, now cancel them. Yeah, you know well, I, I think mean? it's also clear if with someone like Snoop, we all know when someone's 
intentionally misunderstanding yeah, sure. just to be offended. I agree. You're intentionally yeah. taking this out of context. You're intentionally saying this in a way that's not supposed to be said. You're intentionally writing this out yep. because it's supposed to be performed so that you, you know what I mean? You fucking nerd. This is a man. I remember my friend was having a real breakdown and he called his spiritual teacher and and he was just like having this moment with his teacher. He was like, do you know I did this? And you know I did that. I'm like so terrible. I'm trying to be better. This and that. Did you know this about me? Like I feel that. And he just he just goes, I always think the best of you. And I think if people worked hard to see the best in people before they just see the worst, mm. it'd be like a really different place. This is corny, but I'm. That's. I just felt like I had a super corny but super real moment <laughs> yes stop yeah. looking me in the eyes it's awkward. yeah stop it jeez i was struggling so hard with just forgiving humanity in general like i realized i was just scared of people and and you know the dyslexia of i'm not scared of you know animals and pit bulls and horses the things most people are scared of i feel very safe around right. but human beings just scared the shit out of me and um yeah. and then i started doing 30 days before everyone that walks by just looking at them and thinking I love you. Yeah. And wow. it changed my life. Like it, it's it's just a little hack of like there is no one that isn't lovable. Mm -hmm. There's no one that didn't start out. Yeah. Perfect, you know, and just the idea of like um saying I love you to someone in your head is like a walking meditation just like I love you, I love you. It just it really helped me. That's I, really great. I did it. Um, I realized like my niece, Caroline, is like the love of my life. And she, I, when I get frustrated with someone or someone's driving or I hate someone, I'm like, mm -hmm. that's someone's Caroline. Like, that's it. That's, Everyone's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like someone loves that person as much yeah. as I love Caroline. So like I have to be kind to them. And also we're all kids. We're all five. Yeah. Like when I'm struggling with someone, that's I just. really sweet. Yeah. It's just like. Also, I was trying to think of something clever and hilarious, but <laughs> I just didn't want to ruin that moment. <laughs> The fuck out of here. What are we doing? <laughs> That's what comedians podcasting is. I love you, love is. you. There's it's some real shit out here in the streets with me. Talking about I love you, love you. You love the wrong person. Some terrible shit could happen to you. But yeah, you can have empathy and care for them. But there's no, the every, like I see people also as yeah. kids, you know? Like I see sure. them as like five years old. I see that too a lot. Like I'll see someone as a kid and then their anger or their whatever. I'm like, oh, you're just scared. Yeah, we're my friend told scared. me one time. He's like, he's like, we're nothing more than overgrown children. That's it. Mm -hmm. Overgrown so babies. So much pain. Yeah. Who are just like, when is the Damocles sword gonna fall and I'm yeah. gonna die? Because we are so, or so, our brain is so overdeveloped compared to most other mammals. Like we know so much about like. Yeah, we know nothing. Yes, Regardless, correct. We're nothing. Well, we're so focused on survival that we're yeah. not actually. We're we're spending so much time learning how to stay safe, safe in an environment that's relatively safe. Right. There's no tigers anymore. We have door guys. We have locks on our doors, but we're right. still like, you know, um, right. in fight or flight mode, even when we're safe. So it's so hard for us to like develop these tools. So, so sorry to focus on this, but you bringing up the like the prayer and meditation. It's like that feels like teaching Super that in schools. Important. It's, it's like universal. The only way we out should be doing that to get us out of our fight or flight mode. Smoking obviously is addictive because of nicotine. But I was talking to a doctor who was saying such a big part of why smoking is so addictive and relaxing is because you're just taking deep breaths. Yeah, of course. And it gives you an opportunity to step away. You're basically meditating. Yeah. No, I 100%. And breath is like, 
so not really paid attention to at all. Mm-hmm. You can get high off your breath. Yeah, you I can. Mean, you can absolutely get high off your breath. And, uh, and there you, was a story of this guy that wanted to get enlightenment. So he went to a monk. He wanted to be a monk. And he was just like, please teach me. Please teach me. He walks up to this monk. Please teach me. Please. I, I want to be a monk. I want to be like you. I want to be like you. Please teach me. And he just grabs him and he puts his head in the water. And he holds it, holds it, holds it, holds it, holds it, holds it, holds it. Guy starts fighting. And he lets him go. <gasps> and he gets up and he goes, surely we're one breath away from non-existing. Like people forget, man. Like you better worry about your breath. Be conscious of your breath. Breathe. You cannot uh, have an activated amygdala uh, emitting cortisol and take deep breaths. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. This is just cortisol. Was that not Arabic? You have so much like advice. You do so much good work, but I'm like. No, 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 no. This is it's, so good. No, what was, is that? It just well, I've, teach I've, me. I spent no. I spent most of my life trying to dis- deactivate my brain to constantly be in fight or flight mode all yeah. the time, being at war all the time. So part of like the work that you're doing is so. Um, I'm so in- inspired and humbled by it, but um, for this reason, because committing to being present in our life and conscious, I feel like most of my life I just wasn't conscious. I was just yeah. scared, scared, scared. So how do I sure. stay? It's like surviving not thriving sorry that it rhymes but the idea is to thrive in life and not just survive like every day i was just like survive that day how am i gonna get through tomorrow it's yeah. like that's not life that's no, not, not that's not it and then of course the need- but that's okay though like sometimes you need those days you just totally. need to push through and shit and it just gets really heavy and you do just need to get through this day and but if you the don't have day- the choice of yeah. a respite of a break you know we talked earlier about like gratitude like even if you're not feeling grateful it gives your heart a break it gives your brain a break the other things that give your heart and brain a break are drugs alcohol right. sex all these mal- things that can like really hurt people so i've just knowing that i'm you know one inch away from choosing those anesthetics i'm always looking for ways to sure. make sure i don't need to reach for that anesthetic in the first place because i right. know how that ends you know and so many people are in so much pain like I, it's just something that uh i just i want to break that ancestral cycle sure like i'm like this is gonna stop with me yeah it's tough if possible, but I fired it's out. It's tough. No, I mean, doing the work is tough. And also, like, that is a real thing. The ancestral trauma is a real thing. They found a study that DNA carries memories. Mm-hmm. 100%. That's a whole other thing. So, you could be, like, not even doing anything negative. You just have it in your fucking bloodline. Mm-hmm. And all of your... You what, don't even know where it's coming what from. What ostensibly are irrational ar- fears. You're crazy. You're a pussy. You're afraid of heights. It's like they now can... Those okay. are all things I am. Uh, you have... Well, you could have had an ancestor <laughs> that of fell heights. off a cliff <laughs> or a... So, no, first of all, like cliffs are like scary. Like heights are scary. Like I, I just like my balls tickle every time I look <laughs> down. And then I figured out that like a lot of people both have like tickling in their genitalia when they look down. Mm-hmm. From a from like a really tall building, at like a substantial amount of people. Sure, I think like the majority. Right, both men and women. I thought it was just a man Google thing, that? like your balls tickle, but but all of a sudden, you know, women will tell me like, no, I have the same thing. Feel a little tickled. Yeah, there. totally. And the fear of yeah, what is that? Why is it the amygdala? Why is it right at your genitals? That's, That's really very interesting. interesting. Look down, but like, no tickle, erection. Tickle. No, it's the opposite. Not it's like, I'm like fuck this city. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, yeah, no, it's more like yikes. Yeah, so there's um, maybe uh, it's like his life comes from there. I don't know. So it's so much shit we do not know. No, yeah, yeah. Like in fifty, because uh, many mammals retract their reproductive organs when in danger. 
So what you're feeling is your body's memory of being able to do that. It's not happening, but it's what your your the epigenetic imprinting of that. Wow. When you're in danger. So, but when you're on, on so that so that that your reproductive organs don't get harmed by the ostensible danger that might be on the correct. horizon. Okay, correct. great, um, fascinating. But the study of the mice that were electrocuted every time they smelled a cherry blossom, mm -hmm. their offspring, when they had them smell cherry blossom, they recoiled to the other end, even though there was no shock. So that's Whoa. one generation passed on. That's one epigenetic fear passed on with just one generation, you know? So whatever our parents went through that they, you know, the pain, the horror, it, we carry it, whether we like it or not, whether we right. even know it or not. And the epigenetic imprinting of what happened in our past, like I have coal mining ancestry in mine and I never like explored the trauma, but like being in elevators, like loud noises are really scary to me. Just like, I was like weird about birds for a while. Like I just was like, birds are fucking spooky. Like you can't. They are though, kind of. They're just like. I get it. They don't, you can't reason with them. No. You can't reason. You and know, they also have like. They can just fly and kamikaze you any moment. Like, I, they, they just... Dude, owls dive bomb people. Yeah. Birds are pretty, Emily's the expert on crows, but birds. Are I, you? See, I Weird. knew some shit was up with birds. Even yeah. when I was a kid, everyone was like, they're just birds. And I was like, dude, they know they're dinosaurs, yeah, man. They're dinosaurs. They have yeah. some ancestral imprint. They've got some yeah, ancestral sure. wisdom we don't even fucking know about. Like Crow if birds got their shit together and they were just like, hey, if millions of us just gather we could just fuck up these times if they watch the movie birds we're fucked <laughs> yeah if they could really just process mobilize. that movie yeah. they would mobilize immediately like these little bitch ass <laughs> human beings cannot handle us if they knew how much power they had yeah we'd be in a lot of trouble yeah. crows can hold grudges they recognize faces they Do hold they? they hold grudges up to four years now i just want to kill every crow i get in touch with <laughs> well no i yeah, know well, people are like when are the aliens coming one lands i'm like Bitch, what you want? Who sent you He's here? He's memorizing your face. I could just see him like open up his beak and then all of this knowledge comes out. That is a out. Chinese uh, drone and yeah. then you know it. They yeah, can for control sure. packs of wolves from the sky. Yes, they can. Like crows what? can control packs of wolves. Vultures can solve crimes. Well, that's because they it's have to. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> to survive. They have to find the body. Yeah, they have to find the body. It's what they do. What are you talking about? That makes the most sense. These crows <laughs> controlling said. wolves is so weird. What are they doing? I end these very awkwardly. I could talk to you forever. I no, hope I we get I to just be friends. I, I, what do you mean? I thought we are friends. Okay, good. That's kind of weird. Now I felt so I shared so many intimate things. But most of so I'd love to be friends at some point. <laughs> yeah, we should continue to be friends. I hope at some point we can have like a, a an authentic, vulnerable talk. Yeah, I think so. I think like someday, connect. someday. No, for I don't real. Want to push it. I I'm would kidding. absolutely love that. We should do like chocolate mushrooms and hang out. What is that? Oh. That is um, uh, in my two specials ago, I had a robot built to look like me that came out at the end because I did most of my most of my jokes were about uh, I did a whole thing on robots, on sex robots and what they're what's going to happen. And as probably really good. I haven't tried a sex robot. I was going to say, and my gift to you yeah. <laughs> for coming on the podcast is actually, so she talks and her body got sawed in half in a, uh, the, in a movie, but she just lives up there. Her name's Bearclaw. Bearclaw. Yeah. It's really very dumb. Um, it's just interesting. I'm usually creeped out by these things, but that one, I don't know why. It's just like, feels fine. You know what people always, uh, it was Neil Brennan who said, <laughs> I, I'm creeped out by it all the time. But here's what Neil Brennan said. Neil Brennan was like, the reason the robot that looks like you isn't creepy is because in real life you look like a robot. Oh, that's, that's really funny. funny. 
<laughs> Wait, before we go, will you plug your show and tell us where to find you? Uh, I mean, you're everywhere. But it's uh, the number. It's like the number one show. Enough. It wasn't know, just trending. Is it's just. It was top ten for a hot minute, and it's just like it's it's great. The reviews are it's one hundred percent wrong. The reviews, well. critics that go out of their way to be shitty to good shows, mm. they're like, "This is yeah, it's really special. it's like uh, it's like embarrassing how positive the reviews are. Like just, in terms of this is starting I'm to feel paid. Yeah, it, it was like, what's going <laughs> we on? We need here? one negative review just so we know everyone's. I was not. like, wait, yeah, no, it's beautiful. It's, it's been that good of a show. Really well received. It's on Netflix. Awesome. It's called Mo. It's um, everything. It's a it's series to me, based it's around like, my life. It's yeah. also not only about this. It's just one of the funniest, most profound shows that has been on television in a very long time. <sighs> All of the pathos and you know, yeah. uh, it's about a show about belonging. It's about uh, displacement. It's about shoes. statelessness shoes <laughs> but it's about people that just want to be feel seen and feel like equal to the person next to them it relates to everybody it's not just about refugees immigrants asylees anybody working paycheck to paycheck mm-hmm. trying to survive while suppressing emotional pain and you know potentially getting addicted to drugs to try to help them navigate the world that's just making it worse and creates more um, issues for them with their families and their relationships and your girl in yeah. the show is Teresa. She's so, awesome. and I and and there's these things that happen in the show where it's it's get ready because anyone who has gone through had you know anything that you just mentioned, which is most of us. Um, yeah. Unless you're the person. The irony is that everyone can relate your sh- to your show except the producers that bought it. Yeah. It's always like this weird thing where it's yeah. like you know. Um, but the situation where her credit was bad because she had a family member take out credit cards her that dad, happened to yeah. me too. Oh really? I've never seen that in a show. I've never seen anyone talk about that before, and I didn't realize how common it was. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, like we sat down with the writers. We're like, we gotta have. Like we're just trying to dive into each character and give them their space, but she's amazing. Teresa's is amazing. The whole cast is and like also awesome. thank you for like her life. Hard things happen, and she's just like, got it, got it. I that's, wanted to make like a that's dope. how most women respond. We're and, just like, got it, cool, and, and keep going. Her character was inspired by for me, like when I was imagining like what she did for a living. Aside from her being like an authentic, grounded Mexicana, playing a Mexicana. And like not somebody who's trying to put on an accent. It's like who she is. But also like being a strong woman running a mechanic shop is inspired by Marissa Tomei, my cousin Vinny. I was just like, if I, I was just like, whenever the movie ended and I saw how spectacular she was talking about cars, I could just close my eyes and see her in that world. It's like, man, I wish... I wish I got to see that, you know? Aside from just imagining it, I wish somebody made that into a reality or a show. I was like, well, if I ever, you know, have my own show, whenever I do, I'll just make a female character like such a, like a boss, babe, just running an entire business and just like, and just, you know, I want to see that world. What does that look like? When she's walking through and doing that. Hopefully we get to explore that more in season two. But it also really it also dope. felt kind of profound. I like to get like I'm an allegory bitch. And like uh I mean cars are identified as she. You yeah. know, it's yeah, kind yeah. of like this sort of interesting it's So amazing. I didn't even put that link to thing. Yeah, yeah. I was my brain. Um I love uh, it. but uh also just the choice of she gets this dev- this she gets this really heartbreaking phone call mm. and it's just like you know the uh, the uh, the place most people would go because sometimes when I watch TV I'm always like oh don't do, like you're you're like this is going so well don't and it she's just she's like got it got it okay and that was it 
She swallows it. It's not. Yeah. But she's a woman. Wouldn't she cry and scream and yell at the person and be like, what the, you know, it was just like, that's, that's some survivor shit is like, and that to me is the most interesting television because that's what it's actually like. Like writers who yeah. sit around and go like, well, how do we make this interesting? And how do we make it dramatic no. and emotional yeah. by doing, by playing it for fucking real the yeah. way the tragedy would actually present itself, which the only. No, the women, the main characters, the main women in the show are extremely powerful. Ugh. My mom, my sister, uh, my girlfriend are all like very strong characters that have their own issues of course and their own faults and but it's not like going but yeah. strong woman it's always and like that's just woman yeah it's just like it's just one it's just like handling business yes. because there's no other it's you very don't, natural you yeah. don't get to luxuriate in your emotions right. when you're paycheck to paycheck exactly you don't have the luxury of like being depressed and having a bad day and being anxious and it's like so when you see like the affluent people in our world you know in america especially when i have an anxiety disorder it's like they have all that too there's yeah. just no time i love the flip too where mo is broke the main characters and his girl is the one that's actually doing yeah yeah so well and one of the things i laugh at I mean, there's a lot that I still laugh at in the show, even though I've seen every episode like 40 fucking times when I'm editing it, but I just love it so much. But it's just in episode four when he's like, I'll take care. Just leave it up to me. You don't have to mm -hmm. go and do that. And she's like, Pfft. just like right in his face. And he just has to like, just eat that. And he knows she's right. Like, he's not going to be able to do it. And then he has to go figure it out and he gets into trouble. It's but just it's also, she didn't handle it perfectly. Yeah, no, she you didn't. didn't handle it perfectly. No, like, we're yeah. just like, and it's like brutal honesty mm -hmm. too. It's just a wave, like, like just sticking to the side. Like, yeah, I love you, but pff, come but on. But I love like, that, and that be, sort of get real. accidentally, yeah. accidental emasculation. But also, yes. what am I going to walk on eggshells and be like, oh yeah, okay, baby? Yeah, exactly. Then that's lying. too real of a relationship for them to do that. I love you. I'm going to cut these. Are awkward. Yeah. Don't ride elephants. No, no. Um, Mo has two specials on Netflix. Uh, get to them immediately, and then his show um, on Netflix as well. More and more to come. And also get into a wormhole in the talk show appearances. One of my favorite stories is uh, is your flag uh, story on Jimmy Kimmel. Get out of my house. All right, what are you doing? He's Just so your linger, linger. I'm he gonna go swim with the trinity. He's linger. The it's always the right time deal. Hey, want to go to Mickey D's for lunch? Ooh, let's go now. <laughs> but it's not lunchtime yet. If we're going to McDonald's, it's always the right time. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. There's a deal for every lunch hour at McDonald's. Now's the time to get two for $3.99. Mix and match a four-piece McNuggets, a McDouble, a McChicken, or a hot and spicy McChicken. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.